You're listening to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast, a show where your hosts, Darian and Ethan, discuss the controversial topics often avoided by the church. They also discuss culture, society, and everyday goofs. And now, Darian and Ethan. Yeah, that's right. We got a we have an official intro now. Woo! We did it. We're we're official. We're, we're practically famous. We're big. Oh, we are famous. Wow. We, we made it. You're welcome, guys. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> welcome. Like, you can thank us for listening to this podcast now. Like, we're letting you listen to how famous our we thousands are of followers. Time. Yeah, and listeners. hundreds of thousands of followers. Well, thousands of followers. You know what it is. This is the things you don't hear in church podcast. With, like we said earlier, Ethan and Derry, yeah. and we are super excited um, this evening because we have our first ever host, not host, first ever, <laughs> first ever um, guest on the show, and this guest is actually my boss, so I will filter everything I say, <laughs> just kidding, because she listens to the podcast, <laughs> um, but yeah, without any further ado, um, our guest name is Ali. Perry, Allie, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us some things about things. Hello, Derry and Ethan Fan Club. My name is Allie Perry. <laughs> um, I'm excited to join the discussion today. I'm really passionate about what we're going to talk about. So. Yay. How long have you known Allie, Ethan? I met Allie in, about three years ago, actually, the other day. Nice. Um, <laughs> the other day. It's because I came to do my school here at YWAM and she was on staff. And definitely thought she hated me. Nice. Because I was best friends with one of her really good friends. And I would hang out with our friend. And Allie would be there. And she wouldn't say anything to me. And in my mind, if people don't talk to me, they hate me. Like, that's it. Hmm. You don't talk to me? I don't know why you hate me, but you do. And I'm not going to confront you because I'm a wing nine. Because <laughs> <So. laughs> I'm a wing nine? <laughs> Enneagram for all you... People who love Nerds. that. I might add that Ethan, you didn't talk to me either. So <laughs> because you didn't talk to me, was it mutual then? That no, I thought she doesn't talk to me. I'm not going to talk. For to the her. record, I never hated Ethan. So. Is this friend Lindsay? No, it's okay. not. Um, Lindsay and I weren't friends till I was not, or until I was a secondary student because she was my staff. Oh, okay. Not friends with my staff. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. Say that. <laughs> I would tell him, I'm like, I'm not your friend. We're not friends. I'm your student. And they're just like, we can be friends. Too. I'm like, no. Usually it's like the staff's job. Do that. But you like set them out and you're like, hey, you're my staff. We're not friends. We're not friends. Just so you know. <laughs> this can never be a thing. I also told my never. students that when I was staffing and my whole team got mad at me. Yeah. They're like, you're not you our friend. You can't say it bluntly. You just have oh, to do it. I did. <laughs> They'd say something like, Ethan, friend, hang out. And I was like, we're not Don't friends. Again. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, we're not. Oh like, man, my, I really my... disagree with you guys. <laughs> I've always been friends with my students. It's a different kind of friendship, though. I can it's be friendly. Like, it's not like a me and Ethan are friends, kind right? Of thing. It's it's like a friends, but yeah. But okay. we don't want to call it friends because that's not what it is, right? I'm gonna be friendly to you. I have authority over you. Yeah, do what I situation. say. You literally have to do what I say because I'm an authority, and like it can get ugly <laughs> if it has to. You literally have to do everything. You know I mean? So like we're friends, <laughs> kind of. We can become fully friends once you're not my student anymore because I lose the authority over you. I told them all that. Like when they graduated, I'd be like, congrats, we're, we're officially friends. friends. <laughs> we're real friends. For 10 we're days until you come back into the secondary school, then we're not friends again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, we're friends. Secondary school is different. But anyways, how are you today? Me you. or Allie? Either of you. You go first. Okay. I'm doing really great. We went on a 5 a.m. hike this morning Oof. and it was beautiful. Thanks. 
and I've been tired ever since, but nice. having a great day. How about you? Yeah, well, I also went on that 5 a.m. hike. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. Why are you not feeling good? No, I didn't hate it. I just woke up feeling not well and like short of breath. And I hate feeling sick mm-hmm. because I don't get sick. So I feel sick. I'm angry about it. So I'm just angry and sick. And I'm just like, now I got to go do this hike. And I'm exhausted. Huh. So I was like just trekking through it as fast as possible. And I was just like, let's just do this. But it was super cool. Saw the sunrise <laughs> over Hanama Bay. Um, and it was a good time. I have taken every moment of free time since then to nap. Nice. I think I've napped a total of like three hours today. Yeah, he did look horrible the entire hike. <laughs> just so sad. You guys can't see because we're not on video yet, but I just made a face of what I looked like. For some reason, every time I get sick, I don't get mad. I get like excited because I like half the day off. But <laughs> but like but I know I don't because I'm just gonna sleep and like be sick the whole day and feel terrible. But at the same time, I'm like see with that when it comes to like when I'm sick I don't take days off unless I'm actually like incapable of moving I feel like I'm going to puke like I remember when I was working at the factory I got sick and I was like okay every part of my body hurts my stomach is like churning I have a huge headache and my sinuses are crazy and I'm almost passed out Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go to work anyways over two two hours to work and I was just like man I'm that's not happening like I I told my boss like I'm going home he's like please don't I was like no I'm, I'm dying and I will, like, I will push my body until I physically feel like I'm going to pass out. And so when I'm sick, I'm mad because I know I don't feel good, but I'm not going to stop moving. And you I'm should, just like, oh, You should not do that. I have to. But you could get better a lot faster if you didn't do that. Yeah, but I look at it as like a weakness. Okay. And it's bad because I have the expectation subconsciously for everyone around me. Uh-huh. So when they're like, oh, I'm going to take a sick day, I'm like, you're weak. You're weak. That, you need to stop that. <laughs> you're so... And it's, I need to change that, but it's okay. We're in process. Yeah. We're always growing. Yeah. Well, I'm doing good. Um, I thought I was tired because I would go at six to work out, but you guys <laughs> five to work out, so you're cool. Um, days are pretty long. Just finished leading worship for two hours, so I'm a little hoarse, and I'm about to talk for another hour and a half. You're a human. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk for another hour and a half, so my voice yeah. is going to be gone by the end of this. Yeah. You can't tell it's kind of raspy. Yeah. Well, moving on, um, I have a question for you guys. Okay. I think I've talked to you about it before, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Okay. If you can take one movie character from any movie and place them in a different movie, who would you choose to be in what movie, and how do you think that would go for that character? Um, I would choose to put, and this is because I don't like Superman, okay? I would choose to put Goku. I don't know if you know who Goku is, yeah. but he's from Dragon Ball Z. Um, and there are movies about Dragon Ball Z, so I can't still count as a movie. I take Goku and he would fight Superman in a Superman movie and we get to see who won. Superman would win. No, maybe not, because they're both considered to be gods and they both have like god level abilities and they're both like basically unkillable and like come back from the dead and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So it'd be very interesting to see who wins. They're like the two most powerful like beings. So I just think it'd be really cool. Interesting. Also, the animation in that fight would be hilarious. I've never watched Dragon Ball Z because I was homeschooled when I was a kid, and I wasn't allowed to. Most homeschoolers watch Dragon Ball Z, bro. Really? Yeah. I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to watch Dragon Ball Z, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Wow. I watched Pokemon, but I didn't watch Yu-Gi-Oh because it was of the devil. I don't know what it's about because I didn't watch it. Just cards. What about you, Allie? Who would you put in where? Um, you speak first because I'm still thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I had thoughts about Frodo in Star Wars or Luke Skywalker in like Avengers or something but mm. 
if I really want to be funny with it, I want to take someone like Elf or Michael Scott. Oh, there's Michael Scott's a show Elf. character. Oh. Oh man, I was gonna take Michael Scott and put him in like Avengers. Endgame. Wait, Elf is a great one though. Okay, <laughs> where you put Elf? Take Buddy the Elf and put him on the Fellowship of the Rings. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Goofy guy in a super serious movie. Bye. Okay, yeah, I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking like the old man from Grand Torino. Have you guys seen that yeah. movie? Yeah. And put him in like a, the SpongeBob movie or something. Like a super serious guy, just like in a what super goofy say? Grand Torino. It's Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Have you, do you like Gran Torino? Yes. It was filmed four blocks away from where I lived in Detroit. And so that, what you see, like, that whole, like, everything in that movie is what I drove past every day. Wow. It's super weird to watch. Cause oh, like, that would be weird. Yeah. Like, we, like, they're, like, outside of a school, and it's, like, my friend's high school, where wow. they would walk all the time. I'm like, oh, that's where the drug dealers hang out, and that's where they do this. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Wow. I like Gran Torino, though. It's a good movie. Okay. I watched a couple of... Is it old? It's like... Mm, no. 2010. After 2010. Okay. But it's pretty inappropriate. Whenever I hear Clint Eastwood movies, I just think of old movies. It's, there's old a lot of language. Oh. Yeah. It's also, I realized after watching it again, and being older and loving to analyze films, I watched it and I thought, this writing isn't actually very good. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it since it first came out. So right. Like, and I, I, I watched it, like I think, last year or something, or two years ago, and I was like, this is actually... Lazy writing. <laughs> like, how did I catch this? To clarify, none of us have actually watched it. We're all Christians and we don't watch bad movies. <laughs> or I'm just joking. It's a big joke. We only uh, watch G rated movies yep. with our parents. Yep. Ants, I watched that movie. And A Bug's Life, I watched both of those. I was movies. gonna watch Buzz Lightyear, Star Command, but I found out there was laser shooting. Yep. So I didn't because I love Jesus. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, do you see uh, Kanye's testimony? I did. I think it's awesome. Okay, explain. You're more of a Kanye fan. <laughs> you sound fan. like you're not happy you're about it. You're more of a Kanye fan than that? Well, I mean, I'm always suspicious of people like Benny Hinn when they come out with like their apologies and stuff like that. And right. just like Snoop Dogg and people in general when they come out with like gospel or like life-changing related things. Even like Justin Bieber, like when they say they're Christians and stuff like that. Dude loves I'm always Jesus. suspicious until I see like fruit, if that makes sense. Right. So I know Kanye hasn't done anything in a little bit. Well, I guess since last year. Like the song he put out last year with Lil Pump or whatever, it wasn't a good song. It wasn't about anything good. I didn't listen to it. Yeah. I saw the pictures on the music video and I thought, that probably sucks. Yeah. It's very catchy, but it's it's just about the normal, like terrible rap things that rap right. songs are about. So I didn't see any life change there, and he was already calling himself a Christian then, yeah. so I don't know how much life change that's happened, but I mean, it sounded interesting. You want to talk about what he says in the... Yeah, uh, it's like story? a seven minute video um, of him at this church, and it's not really a testimony about how like God changed his life, so I don't like that part because I called it a testimony, it wasn't, mm-hmm. but he talks about, like he thanks God, he's like, thank you God for delivering us and saving us and our salvation, and it's like really good stuff, like... If you saw someone who wasn't Kanye saying that, you'd be like, this is pretty doctrinal and it's biblical. And he talks about how God isn't found in material goods or like, it's not based off like how much you have or how many cars or houses you have, but it's based on like your relationships and your family and and like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was like super interested. I was like, oh wow, this is not sounding like the prosperity gospel. It doesn't sound super like the word of faith, Mm -hmm. but it could. And, And because he's said he's a Christian for a while, I understand that questions like is this real this time is it not whatever yeah i'm just excited because i have hope for the guy that he is being serious yeah and i want to rejoice anytime someone promotes jesus mm. whether for their own gain or what like paul says that somewhere mm. 
And he also is releasing an album called Jesus is King. Yeah, it'd be interesting to listen to. I think we touched on that last week. Maybe not. I don't think so. My This is my, like, view of all, basically all rappers saying that they're Christians, because everybody that's a rapper talks about God in their songs, right? Like, how they know God, how he's, like, their not friend. Not yeah, no, not Lecrae, not him, but like Drake and J. Cole <laughs> and all these guys, they always reference God and how they pray to God and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's this, because I think they understand the gospel really well, and they always say like, like they're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and all that kind of stuff in interviews and things, but then they keep living the lifestyle that they live, mm-hmm. and I think it's exactly what like Jesus talks about, he says like, go and sin no more to lay those kind of adultery, right? right? right. It's like they take the gospel, and then they just continue to live their life like normally, like Paul said, you shouldn't do, right? Like mm-hmm. we have this freedom, don't abuse it, like that we weren't given freedom just to go and sin, right? We need to change our lives and live like Christ, right? Yeah. So that's why I think, I don't think it's like a word of faith or any kind of that kind of thing I think it's just a misunderstanding like, I have Jesus fake. I'm saved I'm going to heaven like now I can do whatever I want well he's also putting on these things called like pop-up churches where he'll just go to a field and yeah those are crazy though. I don't know what it is though it sounds like just it's just I, him and a whole bunch of professional musicians and I was gonna say it's like 600 person chord, chord yeah. choir groups yeah it's is it a concert? Yeah, I don't know it's basically a concert oh. I don't know what do you think about Kanye and his um, professed faith in Jesus this is like the first time I'm hearing about it, so. Nice. There you go. Yeah. So, you heard it here first. So I don't know. I feel like I agree with a lot of what Derry's saying, though, that yeah. unless we can actually see fruit in his life of the things that he's professing. Oh, yeah. I agree. Like, I'm, and I'm not like, like, I keep, I'm just super happy about it because I think it's mm-hmm. also funny to be happy about Kanye. I, anything Kanye does, I want to back just because he's Kanye and he's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I want to vote for him to, next year. If he oh, actually runs, I don't think he's going to. Just because he's Kanye, like he would, I don't think he'd make a good president. I just want Kanye West to be president. Make a good president. Yeah, it'd be funny. Wait, are you being serious? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he should be a president. Like I, I won't vote for him even if he did run. Oh. But I really, really want to because it would be fun. How amazing would that be? That Kanye West would be yes. our president. Yes, he would definitely never be elected. I guess people said that about Trump too. Yeah. I, I really don't think he'd be elected. No, I, I don't He's either. beyond the, like... He's insane. Yeah, he's insane. He's but insane. nonetheless, I'm excited to see what happens. I do still hold to, like, what you were saying. Like, let's just wait and see if his life changes. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Because the Bible says you'll know him by their fruits, right? Yep. So, yep. we'll just see that. So let's talk about um, a topic that's sort of uh, close to our main topic today. And that's Jordan Peterson, if you guys know the man. Yeah, my the uncle. Legend. Yeah, you're uncle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have the same last name? You're uncle. Um, who checked himself into rehab. What's that yeah. all about? Yeah, um, saw that headline earlier today. Not today, this week. Um, Jordan Peterson did check himself into rehab in New York to get help to get off an anxiety pill that he was on. Interesting. So, basically, his wife had cancer really bad earlier this year. And oh, okay. he was doing a lot of traveling and stuff anyways for work. So, it was just a lot of stress on his body. So he was struggling with anxiety, got an anxiety pill. I forget what it's called, but it's known to be like a terrible, terrible like pill that's really hard to get off of. Hmm. So he, I think he tried going cold, cold turkey earlier this summer to get off of it, and it was just mm-hmm. terrible. So he like, he's like, I need like professional help to get off of this. So he did. Wow. I wonder like if he talked about it at all on his podcast. I just found out now that he had a podcast. You know he had a podcast? No, I just watched some of his clips on YouTube. Yeah, from his podcast. 
That makes so much sense. His podcast. Well, I watch a speaking engagement. His podcast is like kind of everybody else that's a speaker's podcast. It's like half of them are him just like talking into a microphone, and the other half of him are him like speaking in his lectures and stuff like that. Okay. So it's both things. I've seen a few of his lectures things. Yeah. I don't. I don't watch him like. A ton, like as much as I watch Stephen Crowder. Yeah, he's an interesting guy to talk about, like if he's a Christian or not. Because yeah. I wouldn't, get, I don't think he's a Christian whatsoever. I think he's very. Interesting. I think he's not a Christian, and so anytime I see something about him talking about like the resurrection or anything, I just ignore it. Yeah, I don't watch his videos. Yeah, from what I can understand, he believes in the the good ideas that the Bible has. He believes in all of the stories, not that they're like in their literalness, but in the like figurative. That the the stories have does that make sense? Yeah, like, like the message, the morals, it. and the message behind it. Yeah, and he thinks it's very interesting, like how humans have created these. And he says he believes in God, but then he says like, how dare anybody say they believe in God? Like, how could they like actually make that statement? And I don't really know why he says that because it's not like a crazy thing to believe in, right? But it's just it's very interesting. Hmm, I yeah. didn't know that. He doesn't believe in God. But he, he says he does. He does. How dare you? I think he actually says that he doesn't want to tell anyone if he believes in God or not. I've seen a few interviews where he says that that's like a very private thing and it, he's choosing not to speak about it. Interesting. Yeah. That it seems like it's actually a pretty big internal struggle in him. Hmm. That would make sense if it was because he talks a lot about like purpose and taking ownership of your life and like taking charge, right? But. Hmm. If there is not a God, that stuff doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why take ownership if there's no... If this all you're going to do is dying, and that's yeah. it. Doesn't make any sense. Atheistic views don't make sense. Or humanistic views don't make sense. Yeah. But he's a really smart guy. Oh, he's genius. Yeah. I love it. He's also really funny. I yeah. want to read 12 Rules for Life. Yeah. It's just, have you read it? Or you listened to it? No, nope, but I've, yeah, I've listened to a lot most of it. <sighs> My older brother would always be like, I read this many books this week. I'm like, how did you have time for that? He's like, oh, I just listen on the car. I'm yep. like, you're not reading. <laughs> it's not the same. It's cheating. You're not allowed to do that, dude. <laughs> I just, I think I get mad because I know I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I zone out all the time. Yeah. And so when people are like, yeah, I listen to this book and I retained a lot of it. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> I get mad because I don't consider it reading. That's not how you learn. Nope. How you contain information. Do you zone out when you listen to podcasts? Sometimes, if I, if it's about something I'm not necessarily particularly interested in. I think it's impossible for me. I can't zone out something I'm listening to. Like, in real life, I can to listen to a podcast. <laughs> I can zone those things out. <laughs> but, like, if I'm listening to a podcast, like, I can't zone it out. Like, literally today, I was working out, and I was doing, uh, I was doing chin-ups, and I was like... We gotta do you strong. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, super deep into my set, and I was listening to some comedians... And they were having a conversation. One of them made a joke, like, mid-pull-up, and I just started laughing. And I, like, couldn't finish my, like, my last pull-up. So, like, I never ever zone anything out, like, no matter how hard or I'm working or need to, like, concentrate and everything. I don't know why I don't, like, zone podcasts out. Mm. or anything like that. I but, do that. Like, if I'm showering, I'll be, like, listening to a podcast, and then I'll just find myself, like, wandering. I'm like, wait, I haven't listened to the last five minutes what they've been saying. Wow. That's crazy. Or, I, also, when I listen to podcasts, I'll, like, do something on my computer, so, like, be so focused on what I'm doing on my computer, I realize, wait, I haven't been listening to this podcast. Huh. And I have to rewind it, and I never get through podcasts. I zone out what I'm doing way more than what I'm listening to. What do you mean? Like, I, if I listen to a podcast, I have to do something, like, mundane, like, work oh, out. Oh, yeah. Or something that just doesn't take a lot of, like, my focus. I have to, yeah. Like, when I was a welder, I listened to podcasts, like, eight hours a day. Wow. Because 
it was just mine. Like I did the work. So it was like this factory work, so it's the same thing all the time. Yeah. So I made like in like a ten hour period, I could make like fourteen of these like units, and that's all I did all day. Wow. So I just like podcast zone out and just go to town. Hmm. Interesting. That was like when I really got into podcasts. I was listening like three hour, like a couple three hour shows a day. Mm-hmm. That's great. Dang. They're weird shows, but it's okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Tribulation now. <laughs> End times prophecy stuff that was You're now looking crazy. back has not it's not biblical. You're crazy. Yeah. Those people are great. Yeah. But we love them. Well <laughs> just kidding. They have some very compelling arguments sometimes. Well, not the ones I listen to. Okay. Really? <laughs> like they were like, We're having prophetess so and so on and this person's like I had this vision, and I was in the North Pole, cuddling with this, like, polar bear, and God came and talked to me, and this, this, and this, and this. And it was, like, very weird stuff. Like, okay. And they're like, like, we get cars in heaven and technology, and I was like, <laughs> I was like a six-month-old Christian, so I was like, makes sense to me. <laughs> Bro, that sounds good to me. Oh, sick. I'll have an Iron Man suit. And they're like, <laughs> it was super weird. And then I was like, once I read the whole Bible and stuff like that, and I actually, like, start questioning things, I was like... Wait a second. This is all made up. That's not true. <laughs> this isn't in the Bible. And like the first like couple minutes of it was just like this guy scream praying. And it was like very hard oh. to listen to. And then whenever, whenever his technology would, <laughs> would get messed up, he'd like bind the demons. Nice. He's like, the demons yeah. are trying to, trying to, to stop trying mess up the wires. Like, <laughs> Maybe just have some faulty equipment, bro. Pretty sure Alex Jones says that sometimes. Oh, Alex Jones. That guy. It's pretty great. I love it so much. Like, bro, maybe your coming just sucks. <laughs> just going out. I don't think it's the demon. Yeah, I think at one point he was probably legit, and then he got addicted to the fame. He definitely, I think he's still legit. He just a little crazy. I think he's insane. <laughs> he's a... <laughs> what do you think, Ali, about Alex Jones? I don't know who that is. Oh. Probably good that you know. Yeah, don't, 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 don't waste don't time. Out. He talks about how the government poisons the water to make the frogs gay. Have you ever heard Alex say uh, he turns the frogs true. gay? That's very true. I don't know why you guys would question that. <laughs> Wait, Wait you, you haven't seen the frogs on base, bro? <laughs> They're all gay, dude. You seen? Oh, man. Or, like, he'd always, like, start swearing, and then he'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's a chill. He's like, family show. It's a family show. On his own show. <laughs> like, where he swears all the time. Hillary! She's a, she's a messenger of Satan and she's this, this, and this, this. Sorry, children's show. Sorry. He's like, family show. Is, is it a family show? I don't know what family would watch. Apparently he thinks it is. <laughs> okay. It's like, it's like those YouTubers who like swear all the time and they try to stop swearing and it's just them like swearing and then like getting mad about it. And then swearing more. Dang. No, something it's worse. So funny. <laughs> wow. Good stuff. Well. Let's talk about one more thing before we get to our main topic. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the legal age that we can do things in America. I know this varies like state by state. But let's talk about like what we think the legal age for things should be, if that makes sense. So we can talk about drugs, alcohol, voting, the military, driving. car, wherever you want. So yeah, renting a car. What'd you say? Driving. Driving. Yeah. Yeah. What do you all think? Because these it's, are all different ages. I think it's so stupid that you can drink at twenty one. I think that should be lowered, anyways. But renting a car, that one really gets me. Because at least in Michigan. 24? Yeah, 24, 25 to rent a car. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I always thought that was weird. Are you kidding me? I can buy a house, but I can't rent a car. <laughs> I can go die for I my car. I can rent a house, but I can't rent a car. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, I always thought that was the most bizarre thing. Why? why I can choose a leader of my special? nation, but I can't rent a car. <laughs> 
Apparently, some choices are worth more than others, <laughs> like renting a car. I can drive drunk, but I can't rent a car. But I don't think that that's a legal thing. I think that's a company thing. Because you can rent a car if you have a, like, a co-signer who's above the age of 25. I think it's still I know nothing about that. You think so? I'm pretty sure it's still a law. We can find out on Google. Okay. We have the internet at yeah. our fingertips. I'm pretty sure it's a law that you can't rent a car unless you're over 24, at least in California. Um, but I mean, I guess it's possible that all the corporations got together and like, hey, we're not renting cars for people who are under 24. Because it's like a liability for them. Yeah, that can definitely be a possibility, but I'm not sure. Because I'm pretty sure that you can do it. You just have to pay an extra fee. Huh. That's what Google But says. we can still be That's mad about says. that. Yeah, we can Google. still be really upset about We're that. We're not there. It's not America. We're <laughs> furious about this car rental situation. So we're going to start a petition boycott. to boycott rental cars, and we're going to riot outside of every enterprise in the nation. Cancel so rental car culture. Tell your friends. We're going to Uber instead, and yeah. we're not renting cars. I mean, everybody probably does that. Yeah. Or maybe that should just be the policy for all of the age restrictions like you can do it younger you just have to pay more pay more, <laughs> pay more money you can <laughs> drink when you're 17 <laughs> 11 you gotta pay a thousand dollars you gotta pay more money <laughs> dang the severely rises it's like a million dollars when you're 10 or something like that you see like a 10 year old bar what are you doing I pay two thousand dollars bro, bro, bro I can't do this okay I don't think that shouldn't you be in school <laughs> yeah so USA Today says, given the higher risk of accidents, most rental agencies tack on a younger renter fee or a surcharge for those who are under 25. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. Which, I guess it makes sense because they're insurance, but it's also still random. Do you know about test driving cars? Because my friend always told me, like, when he I was 25, right? he always would say, like, when he was 25, he'd go and take us to drive Teslas, like test drive Teslas, because that's what we wanted to do. None of us could, because none of us were 25. I don't know if that's just a Tesla thing. I don't know, because I think my older brother test drove a car when he was 21. Interesting. I would just do But that might be the difference between California and Michigan. Do you have to pay to test drive? Or do no, you? it's free. Really? Yeah. Just totally rent some chore. Like, one time, <laughs> me and my buddy went into a car dealership to check out a car, not to buy a car, right? And we stayed there for like five hours, and like... We checked out this car and somebody this for like an hour, right? And then um, this dude like took us into the, like his office and like talked to us for a while and like we just wanted to leave. We didn't know why he like kept kept us there. And he was like, "Okay, I need you to like sign some of this paperwork and stuff like that." My buddy's like, "Okay, I guess it was because we like test drove it and stuff like that." So he like sort of starts signing the stuff and like halfway through, like several hours in, he's like, "What are we doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, like you're buying this car." And he's Whoa. like, "No, I'm trying to get out." <laughs> We got so deep. We've been there for hours just checking out this car. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't you begin? I would be mad if I was there more than an hour. I'd be like, at hour one, I'd be like, yo, what are we doing? Yeah, so why long. do you stay Why so do you long? stay so long? That's on you. I don't remember. <laughs> I think he just wanted to know more about it. So, like, after we test drove it and he told us everything about it, it was like an hour in. And then we went to his office and he told us more about it and told us, like, pricings. And this guy's, like, sneakily trying to apply a car. Yeah, it was very interesting. I think he thought we were buying a car. Mm. Yeah, so I kind of feel bad for that guy. He just continued. Man, this guy really thought he was about to make a great commission. <laughs> yeah. spent hours on you guys. I went into a Tesla um, dealership in Michigan when I was doing evangelism with one of my students. Because wow. that's all I do when I evangelize. Yeah. Not always. 
Not only when I go evangelizing, That's I'll go all sit. I do. I'll sit in Tesla cars. My goal is Tesla cars. I love Tesla, so I just go sit in the dealership <laughs> and I'll play Christian music. So it's, it's justified. And you wait for the owner to get in the car and say, "I even know my Jesus Christ." <laughs> <laughs> but I was sitting there. I was like, uh, "Well, I actually, just trying to share the gospel with this guy with okay. one of the workers there." And it was actually a super cool conversation about the gospel. And I was like, "Hey, man, can I get your contact information so like we can meet up at some point and talk more?" And he's like, "Yeah." Can you put it in here? And it was a Tesla system, and I was like, "Yeah, I just I'll, I'm fine with that, because then you'll have my contact information. I just don't want to receive emails." And he's like, "Yeah, no, you won't." I was like, "Cool." So I gave it to him. And a day later, I received an email, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Dang it, dude. But at the end of it, it had this name. It said so and so, so and so. And I was like, "Wait a second, I know that name." So I went in the next week, and I was like, "Hey, does so and so, so and so work here?" They're like, "Yeah." I was like. It's this person, this person. Like, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my friend from high school. Whoa. Well, my friend's friend. And so I tried I tried going a couple times after that to actually see if he was working, but he's always like in the back and I never like got but he was like the manager of this like Tesla wow. shop and it was like crazy because I hadn't talked to him like three years. Cool. Wow. I was like super shocked. He became the manager in three years. That's great. Yeah. That's insane. Small wow. world. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Alright. What about what other like age related things? Lower the drinking age. You're mad about. Why? Because you right. can go I mean, die for your country when you're 17, but you can't have a beer. Freaking raise the drinking age, right? Raise it? Yeah. That's come from someone who doesn't like alcohol, though. No, it's from someone who thinks that your brain doesn't stop developing until you're 25. Yeah, but I mean, people are going to do it regardless. I know. I think they should lower it because there's absolutely no reason you should go be able to fight for your country for not having beer. And as far as uh, your brain doesn't develop, it's not the government's job to make sure. It's citizens' brains are developing correctly. That's the person's job. Well, it's not about developing correctly. It's that your brain isn't fully developed. A lot of people who are 18 are fully capable of making adult decisions that are great, which is why we allow them to fight in the army. But more and more people these days aren't capable of making those decisions, which is why I'm questioning the age for being higher. Nah. I think voting's fine. Yeah, vote 18 seems right. But I struggle about things where people... Based off of peer pressure and just cultural pressure in general right. to be cool, will do things that destroys the brain for the rest of their life. Yeah, but that's on the individual. That's not on the government making things a certain age requirement or not. Then why do we have an age limit for 21? I don't know. I'm saying we shouldn't. But that's because it's that is a government job. Yeah, I'm saying it shouldn't be so high. Oh, okay. Look, yeah, I agree with you, Ethan. Thank you. I See, I'm right. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> That's the standard. That's it. If Allie agrees, <laughs> she's ultimate truth because she's so godly. I think that if the drinking age was lower, there would be less like secrecy around drinking for young people, and then there would be more like available help and education, and like in their own parents' house, learning how to drink responsibly. And then also, when students are getting like alcohol poisoning and stuff in college, there wouldn't be like fear surrounded around calling an ambulance hmm. and things yeah. like that. That's true. I think there'd probably be less of a desire to go and party like that, like crazy, when you're underage, because it's not like, like we're attracted to the breaking of the law, right? And people yeah. sometimes people do it just rebellion. right. We're attracted to that as humans. So if you take that away from them, they're gonna be like, well, I agree. Whatever. That's my argument for why I think all drugs should be decriminalized. Yeah, I'm down. I don't do them anyway, so whatever. <laughs> We can talk about other <laughs> So, whatever. I don't care what happens to everybody else. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. It doesn't affect whatever. me. Whatever you want. 
That's yeah. right. This is the things you don't hear in church, and we think all drugs should be decriminalized. Just dairy. That's dairy. It's most of conviction. <laughs> that is the official view of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I mean, I want to... Because here's what... The reason I don't care about it, and the reason I think it sh- I'm not upset if it does become decriminalized, is because I think humans are sinful anyways, and so they're going to sin whether it's legal or not. And I'm more thinking of a gospel, like, biblical worldview of, like, you're going to do b- bad things anyways. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to be easier to reach if you're not in jail. Oh, maybe not. If I can do prison ministry. I want to talk about it later because there's a lot I want to talk about it. And, like, I don't <laughs> want to... go very deep? Yeah, I don't want to, like... Spoil it. Just shallow run it right now. You know what I mean? Like, you guys are going to do another podcast on it? We should talk about it later on, like, a different cultural topic or something where we have more time. Just because I love this topic and talking about it, and I, I agree with, like, both sides and see both people's points. So I just want to go into it deeper than right. just, like, the short amount of time we will... Yeah, I met a guy in Malaysia who was from Denmark, and he said the same thing. He's like, make them all legal, who cares? Interesting. And I was like, what? Yeah, so Venezuela. Yeah, it's Venezuela, or or, (laughs) or, uh, what do you call it? Um, We're looking up to them right now? No. Some people are. Nope, nobody is. Those libs. (laughs) Them. (laughs) Them libs. Um, Well, I agree with you. With who? Oh, thanks. Dairy. I agree with dairy. I think they should be decriminalized. Well, yeah, we'll have you back think, on for that. I think we all agree on that. <laughs> we all agree on that. Maybe we can have you back on the show to talk about why. <laughs> she's like, no. She's, <laughs> she's giving us a space like, I feel uncomfortable like, with that. <laughs> I mean, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, why not? Well, voting. What do you think about the voting age? Okay, so, um, I understand 18. I think it's, it makes sense, but I also have less faith in the maturity of eight, most 18-year-olds now. You need to be 21. I don't know. I kind of want to raise it just because at 18, looking back, you don't really have a ton of life experience. You're so passionate and what? so dumb. And yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, like you have all the passion and all the stupidity when you're 18. Yeah. It's like you have a very narrow-minded view on the world when you're yeah. fresh out of high school because you're like, because if you're going to college and you're struggling and this politician says, we'll give you free college. You're like, yes! yes. But then you don't realize, we're going to tax you 40%. It's like... Yeah. Right, it's you don't understand all the different things. Yeah. yeah, and so I would not be upset if that got raised. And a lot of people do, like to just for audience, like a lot of people do and are smart at eighteen, but just a lot of people aren't. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of people who aren't. I would say though that if you want to raise the voting age, then you'd have to raise the military age. Military age. Yeah. Because that's just wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Yeah, but maybe put both up to twenty, and then bring the drinking age down to nineteen. Why 19? 15. I don't know. 19 sounded good. I just, the first number that came to my head. 15? I was also just singing a number. <laughs> I like to look at the statistics of like Germany and places like that where drinking is 17, right? Yeah, but they're born drinking alcohol. They're German. I know, but it'd be interesting to look at like the brain chemistry of their youth compared right. to like ours and see what's different. Yeah. Or see if like, if it's, because I'm sure it's still a problem among youth there that like people get wasted all the time yeah. and destroy their brains. Yeah, yeah, it'd also be interesting to look at, like, the other statistics of, like, alcohol poisoning and... Like, see how many people get affected by that yeah, at, when yeah. it's lowered? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what age it starts, like, alcohol poisoning yeah. average yeah. starts? I know in Venezuela about the decriminalizing drugs thing, like, all of those things went down among teens for from, like, overdoses to addictions to, like, trying them. They went down by half um, almost everything mm. from cigarettes to, like, opioids um, when they decriminalize, not legalize, but decriminalize, yeah. like all. Here's a question that just came to my mind. 
do you think there should be an age limit on cell phones, like smartphones? Limit? Yeah, like, I'm pretty like, sure. I'm, bro, you're like, 85, you can't. No, no, no I'm not like, limit, but like, like, like you can't have a smartphone if you're under 14. No, why? For kids. I I'm, I've seen world. something like this. Um, for, I think there was a country that did that, like, or a school, or something. There was some study that's done, like, because your phone releases, like, releases dopamine to your brain, like, when you get those likes and notifications and all that stuff. It does the same thing to your brain that some drugs do. Yeah. So if we're going to put limits on these drugs, what about technology? But you have to do that to all computers, all games, all video yeah. games. Yeah, I strongly But these kids in the forest, that. I don't know where I stand on this. Let's but mind. that dopamine release is released when you succeed at anything. It's just that a phone and, like, video games does it faster. Instant gratification. Yeah. But yeah. like you can you can get that from a lot of stuff these days. Like, <laughs> I guess if you don't have a phone, it's hard. Yeah, toaster. You just like press the one button. It's like close it. Like you Instant you put it on the six. You put, you put the toaster on the six, but then you choose when to cancel it to see if you get the perfect toaster. I need it. <laughs> I was like, why are there so many waffles? I need this. <laughs> You just get bread, <laughs> loaves of bread to toast it, and you don't eat it. Your mom just got downstairs like three in the morning. You're just your hair is all frizzy. You're just like popping <laughs> in the toast, like wanting it to come out. <laughs> I need my phone. You all right there? <laughs> Instant gratification on toast. It's the only thing I have left. I'll look it up and later at, at some point in my life about it. But I'm pretty sure there's some studies done on it. Oh, there has to be. So. I just think it's interesting to see the effects on, of technology on the human brain, and if they're concerning, should we... Like, oh, I'm sure they're concerning. Right, so... like, it, But is that the government's place to put restrictions? Right, that's, that goes back to what I said earlier, like, no. I think it's the but government's think, job to do research. And present information. Yeah, but and maybe put restrictions, depending on how like crazy the effects are. Right. Um, we already see restrictions, but um, I don't think usually there should be restrictions. Unless yeah. it's like severe problems. I'm not going to let my kids have a phone until they're 18. But they can drink when they're 11. That's a lie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm re- actually, I'm super interested to see what it's going to be like. when they're 11. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested to see what it's going to be like when... So all of us... Well, actually, Allie's like, what, you're 21? Yeah. You're so young. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm 22. Oh. <laughs> okay. You're old now. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> like super old now, guys. You're fine. So we're like 23 and 22. And I just think about like, the fact like... When we have kids, like, with our own families, like, and they get to the point where they already have technology, like, what's technology going to look like yeah. for our kids? Because my mom had typewriter class. What? Like, like the paper, like, ding, Even how old's her mom? Are you kidding? In the 50s. And then, they did that, and then... Bro, I'm pretty sure mom didn't have that. Hey, mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I just told everyone your age. I still love you. You didn't tell their age. You said she's in their 50s. That's yeah, not... That's a 10-year... I'm pretty sure everybody's mom that has a kid that's 23 is in like the 50s-ish. At least 40. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully at least 40. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're but... 17 and you have a kid. Which I guess I have a few friends who have had a kid at 17. But, no. But, like, I'm just so interested because it's like, we've got touch screens now and VR... Yeah. And like my my mom was like one of the last classes to have typewriter, and then they introduced computers. Oh, wow. Okay. And then to think about like right now, we think it's like so cool to have VR and all this stuff. And then what's it gonna look like for our kids? Like, is their class just gonna be like sitting at home putting on a VR headset, and they're in the class and they can see their absolutely? Their I think the future of of schooling is gonna be online. 
But I don't know if I like that because that takes away the like community aspect. Of yeah, that. of course. I think we're going to get a lot better, hopefully, at recognizing people's learning abilities and like how they learn and what they need to be successful. And then we're going to create ways for people to do that. I like that part because I know there's tons of different ways people learn, right? But then how do we still cultivate community in that? Yeah. I mean, I think there will always be some sort of place people go to learn. You know what I mean? I don't think that's really going to go Oh, you're not right? saying like they would they wouldn't sit at their living room, you're saying? Like, yeah, I don't think that'll ever go away, but I think that the ability to have online schools can become way more popular, especially with VR. Like, you can put a headset on, and you can like be in a classroom with a professor, and the professor's teaching virtually to like thousands of students. It's right. It's going to be so easy and so real, like, that he can still do all his demonstrations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm sure that exists now. That'll be interesting for university campuses, because then... Students are going to choose that rather than oh, yeah, going to. Absolutely. So it's going to be it's going to cut it's going to cut costs of university down. Yep. And so then they're probably going to jack up their class price because they still need to make money. I mean, they're already way too high. I know, but that's going to, it's going to stay like that. Well, that's another is, conversation. The thing is with online learning is that it's way cheaper than going to like university, which is why people do it. Right, but I'm saying because everyone's going to go there, they still want to make money, so they're going to have to they're going to probably raise the price eventually. Or like, oh, you want this VR? No, it's yeah. this much money. It's like, oh, dang. People won't go. People won't go? No. I am sure a lot will, but like, I think the people who are all about online learning will be like, no, dude, I'm going to go to this other thing that's like 100 times less expensive. Yeah. And just as good quality. I almost went to an online school. Yeah. I was going to, if I didn't do YWAM, I was going to get a job with my friend who does electrical engineering, mm-hmm. and then I was going to go get my electrical engineering degree online. Wow. And I had this perfect plan for five years, a couple years. I just one online class. Did you like it? I don't remember anything. <laughs> I, I took remember. one online class for my TESOL. Sucked. Yeah. I did learn, I learned zero things from that <laughs> class. Zero, absolutely zero. I learned that the instrument, the oboe, exists. That's all. <laughs> What's the what oboe? What was the class? It was a musical uh, history class. Huh. Why did you need, why did you take a music history class? It was just uh, a dumb, like, filler credit. Oh. Yeah, I did my TESOL, half of it online, and I just copy and pasted the questions into Google and found the answers. Ooh. Yeah. I, I <laughs> so you purposely didn't learn anything. <laughs> so, as far as the government's concerned, I'm qualified to teach English to speakers of other languages. But am I really? really? Google is. is and Google is qualified. <laughs> but am I really qualified? Good job, Google. You got your T's long. I can teach you how to BS the class. <laughs> Pass. You can't do that anymore, though. What? That. I don't do what? We don't do that anymore. BS classes? Cheat. Oh, I don't go to class anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a struggle to do any online class because it's so easy. Cheap. Yeah. Because I found out it was like TESOL, like it was like this, like the exact organization I was going through, like test, and it was like a, this whole page with all the questions and answers, and I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. I, I did it as little as possible because I didn't feel bad doing it. I don't know. I just opened a new browser. Okay. And the other I was like taking it on Google Chrome and I just looked it up on Safari. What if somehow they find this podcast and they revoke it? They're like, you know what? You don't get this anymore. <laughs> There's no way that's going to happen. No! There's no way going to happen. Yeah. All right. Someday. Time to move on? Yep. All right. We've come to our main topic of the day. Dun, dun, dun. You want to introduce it? Yes. So our main topic today stems from um, recent news. Uh, some stuff that's happened in the church community, and one of our friends and fans reached out and said, hey, you should talk about this because it's important for life. And we're like, oh, that's that's fair. 
Um, to give you some backstory, there's a pastor out of California at Greg Laurie's church named Jared Wilson, and he was very active speaking out against, or speaking about depression and <laughs> Depression's the worst. It well, is. it is, yeah. It is, it is, it is the worst. Um, but yeah, he was, he was an activist in this, in this realm of mental illness, and he was upset that like, churches in the past have been quiet on it, so he was on a campaign to fight it, and um, he ended up actually committing suicide last week himself, and it was really sad because he had tweeted that earlier that day, he said, oh, just did a funeral service for a believer who just committed suicide, prayers appreciated for their family. It was on, like, National, like, Suicide Awareness Day or something like that, or Prevention Day. Okay. Like, that he committed suicide wow. like, on the actual day. Yeah. And so this stemmed a lot of conversations from a lot of people, um, whether defending him or some people, like, speaking out against him, saying, I can't believe he did. And, like, it was really, I think, handled, mostly, I think, handled wrong in the things I've seen. Like, I watched a reaction video or, like, a guy commenting on it, and this guy's basically like, ripping him apart. And it was, like, super, like, one, it was embarrassing to know that there's people who profess to be Christians and they're talking this bad about someone who struggled. Yeah. And so I was, like, kind of, I was, like, are you serious right now? I got really heated about it and yeah. stopped watching the video halfway through because I just couldn't listen to this guy. Jerk move. Yeah, and it's just, there hasn't, it hasn't been handled in the most sensitive way. and But also, at the same time, it has been handled in a really sensitive way from a lot. Like, I listened to this podcast, or part of a podcast called, called, it's called Called. It's about church leadership and, and growth. But this is, the first episode was around this time. So they talked about it and talked about like, and they like defended him and like, hey, this is a real thing that people struggle with. And so this whole situation happened and that's when one of our friend fans was like, hey, you should talk about it on the show because it's, it's like relevant and it's necessary for, for life and like to talk about it. So we wanted to shed some light on it, share our thoughts on depression and suicide and mental illness. And how do we react as Christians? What is the source of it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like just how does this all, how do we handle it? Yeah. So I'm going to give my definition of what I think depression and anxiety are. And you guys can disagree with me or agree with me and explain your definition of depression and anxiety. I have not heard this yet, but this is the official view of depression by this podcast. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's my personal opinion of what, what depression and anxiety is. Um, so first off, to like kind of precursor this, um, my view is that someone who has depression or anxiety is not um, broken or experiencing anything wrong with them. In fact, I think their body is working perfectly, which is why they have a depression or anxiety, which I think is a sign that something's wrong. It's your body telling you, hey, like something's wrong. You need to fix this thing that's wrong, right? Um, I don't believe that, and also science backs me up on this, that there is no... Um, such thing as a clinical uh, depression that is based off of just the chemical imbalance. Um, there never has been, and I don't believe there ever will be scientific evidence to show that that exists solely by itself. It's always um, evidence of something that's happened in your life or something you're believing or something that you're afraid of. So I believe depression is um, fear about something that's happened in the past, right? So you've had something, an event that's happened in your past. Um, and your body is causing you to have depression based off of a past fear, and the anxiety is a fear of something that will happen in the future. Um, and of course, that um, can happen in different ways for different people, different scenarios, and look very different and have very different solutions and causes. Um, but that is my view of what it is. Do you guys want to say anything? 
I don't know if the camera heard or the mic heard that my throat just made a really weird noise. I, don't, I didn't think that was you. <laughs> that was it's kind of embarrassing. Um, my thoughts. Um, I didn't do that much. Like I don't have like the scientific like research. I guess to back up like what you said. Like there's mm-hmm. no clinical depression. I don't. I didn't go to that extent. Mm-hmm. But I could agree with what you're saying. I don't see anything. Just for there being a chemical imbalance. Yeah, I think. I mean, you said there isn't. Yeah. There is a chemical imbalance due to something that's wrong, but it's not due to just a chemical imbalance. Right, it's not like genetics and that's it and you're stuck yeah, with it. It's exactly. Something causes and it can be fixed. Yeah. yeah. Some people are uh, have a tendency to have more serotonin in their body or in their brain than other people, um, but that is not um, proof that it is a cause of depression or anything like that. Right. A sole cause of depression. Right. Yeah. And I'm just one of those, I'm also just one of those people that just believes... Anyone can do anything. And so I think, like, everyone who has... Bro, you're from president. What? I know. <laughs> um, so I believe, like, if anyone's battling with depression, like, I believe there is hope for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it might be longer, and it take, and it might be, it's going to be a hard fight, you know? I'm not going to take away from that. But I do believe there's hope for everybody. I don't think everyone's just stuck in this rut. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a, that's something that we've been told, is, like, oh, you have this. Like, this is now your identity. You are depressed. Yeah. And because of that... People don't know that they don't have to stay there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Allie, do you want to say anything about the definition? Of um, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think just for listeners, like the most simplistic actual emotional feeling of depression is just prolonged sadness and mm-hmm. feeling of meaningless or purposeless life yeah. and like disinterest in normal everyday activities hopelessness hopelessness yeah like, like just in its simplistic the feeling of depression that that's what it's defined as mm-hmm. yep yeah anything so, else you want to say before we go a little deeper oh no i was just gonna transition to go a little bit deeper go for it i was gonna talk about like what do we believe like or what, the conversation i want to get to like the source of this all right is that, is that the same place you were directed to? Yeah, I just want to talk about like the generation that we live in and stuff like okay, that. Okay, yeah, let's do let's, let's do that first. Yeah, so it's, it's obvious that like this generation has a big problem with depression and anxiety, right? Um, like it seems like everybody, like every teen, everybody in college, you ask them like the thing they struggle with is depression and anxiety. Yeah. All of like the testimonies from a lot of the DTS students that we have here, all these students that are like seventeen to like twenty one-ish years old, I'll say that, like, yeah, like, I had, like, this happened to me, I've been depressed, like, this amount of time, I wanted to kill myself, like, this happened, God saved my mm-hmm. life, or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty classical, um, like, story that you get, um, and it's obvious from, like, just the media and songs and memes and just everything from the culture from, like, these, this age group is that depression and anxiety is a huge problem. So, what do you guys think is is the source. And even before we talk about that, do you think, uh, this is a question that I get a lot and I think about a lot, is is this actually a problem with um, a generation or is it that we've popularized depression and anxiety right. and now a lot of people think that they have it to feel special? Right, made it something almost like weirdly glamorous. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a hard question to ask but I think it's important to get to get past that question to start addressing real issues. Right. I think it's kind of both. I think social media and technology play a huge part into depression mm-hmm. because as humans, we naturally like compare ourselves, right? And like look at things. 
and say and like look at our situation and other people's situation and deem like I want to be like that or I don't. Yeah. And so with social media in the role and also social media studies show that in, we're like the most lonely generation because of social media, right? Mm-hmm. We feel very isolated. So I think technology has a part to play in that and so it becomes a legit thing. Mm-hmm. But also I think because when we're depressed we get to see a counselor or like we get like a certain special attention it also becomes something that's like oh i kind of want that in a way like or you listen like pop punk right and like at least for me like I, when i was a kid i'd listen to like blink 182 and they talk about being depressed but they talk about all these other things i thought i like the music so i kind of like just had the message ingrained in me i thought i wanted that in a weird way because i wanted to relate to the song yeah you know so i think it's both and i don't know if i'd say it's either or okay so, but if I had to pick one, so I know there's definitely people who are kind of copycats and lean towards just like wanting to do it because it's cool, mm-hmm. kind of not like that it's cool, but like that is the thing that everybody struggles with, yeah. right? To be in part, like to be a part of the society. Um, but you think it is a majority of that, a majority like a problem with a society of copycats or like people who want to fit in, or that this generation generally has a problem with depression, and anxiety more than other generations have had a problem with it. Hmm. I want to take my time answering because. What do you think, Allie? Yeah, you go first. I think that that's. I think that that's a hard thing, a very hard thing to decide because I think that a person can go through both, both of those things uh-huh. in their lifetime, and because depression is so prevalent and so popular. It's hard to say, okay, well, what's the root cause of their initial depression? Because like we said in the definition of depression, that it's not, it's not just a chemical imbalance. It's not just um, like people think that like because their parents had depression, then they're bound to have depression. Like right. that's not the case. So their initial, um, whatever you want to call it, outburst of depression mm-hmm. Was it caused because that's, like, the cool thing? Like, they want to be, like, this, like, I'm an outsider, but that makes me an insider type of thing? Or was it because of childhood trauma? Or Mm -hmm. because they are a very internal thinker and no no one's there to think with them? You know, like, these... I don't don't know if I would separate those two things. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think there are many people who would like to be cool or fit into society so I think that there are those people who will say they have depression to fit in I think there's a larger number of people that say they have depression that are just kind of sad yeah you know and don't actually have like real depression and need that kind of yeah I I think it's a lot of people who say they have depression it's just I think they're misunderstanding what depression yeah like I think Mm -hmm. No, like I don't know if you're actually depressed or yeah. just really sad, which is also something that you we, we're not going to ignore that. We're not going to yeah. just invalidate that. But but to finish my statement, uh, I think there are those two groups. But I do think that this generation is dealing with an increased level of depression that, um, based on certain circumstances that we'll talk about, um, is more prevalent than previous generations. Like you said, being more disconnected as a generation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my view. I think it is a problem. It doesn't need to be addressed. I think both of those other two things are things that are prevalent and happen. Um, but I think that it is still a major problem that we need to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say something. And then I was holding in a cough and I forgot what I was going to say. Nice job. Well, 
<laughs> I think that that's an interesting question too. The point where you say compared to like previous generations, because honestly, I can only think of like the last hundred years that I could honestly have an opinion about that. Yeah. You know, before that, I have no frame of reference for how depressed people were. You know, yeah. or if it was. I know that in our generation today, it, we're very comfortable talking about depression. Yeah. Whereas in like my grandparents' generation, you wouldn't talk about that. Shut if you in. had depression, you wouldn't tell anyone that you had depression. Right. You know, your your family would be upset with you. <laughs> like your coworkers yeah. would be like, "What's yeah. wrong with you?" Like, so, like they would send you to a mental hospital if you it's had. It's basically depression. just like yeah. so. If, yeah. So if you dealt with that, it wouldn't be something that you talked about. So mm-hmm. that's another reason why I'm hesitant to say that compared to previous generations because honestly i would say probably not we're just way more open to talking about it yeah because depression is a it's a sin issue i know we're probably gonna get this into this later but i think it has to do with right now that it's a sin issue so i would say no it's not more prevalent today because it's always been an issue yeah i do think our generation is I like how our generation is very open about the discussion of it. Because mm-hmm. I think, like you were saying, the past generations, they weren't open. And I think that's played into why a lot of people might think they have it now. is because it's like it's been shoved away for so long and like mm-hmm. maybe got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point you couldn't mm-hmm. ignore it. And now we think it's this big problem where it's like, no, this has been happening for generations. We're just finally addressing it. Mm-hmm. And now it's just figuring out how to address it in the right way. Because... The wrong way to do it, I think, is just to give them pills and send them on their way. Yeah. You know, they, they're needed, they need education. They need to talk about dietary, like, changes and, and physical health and how physical health plays into mental health mm-hmm. and, and how you should go see a counselor so you can get some emotional healing. What do you think about the correlation between how prevalent um, it is that people will now be open and talk about their struggles with depression and, like, the suicide rates increasing? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So... To put it simply, people didn't used to talk about it and didn't used to kill themselves as much. Now people talk about it and kill themselves a lot. Yeah. I think that falls into the the pitfalls of talking about it also. Because there's benefits and, I think, cons to talking about it. Because it's like, if you talk about it so much, like, if you're so focused on not having to deal with something, you're going to deal with it, right? And so there's an aspect of healthy communication and also like, okay, we need to like... Maybe like not not make it such a big thing because it is a big thing and I don't want to invalidate th- anything, but also like we need to recognize it for what it is and be like, hey, this isn't like it's a problem, yes, but it also can be solved easier than we're making it. I think hmm. does that make sense? According to the CDC, just a recent statistics, um, the suicide rate in the last twenty years has gone up twenty four percent. Twenty four? Oh my gosh! Yep, since nineteen ninety nine. I think on that level of like the suicide raising when our acceptance of talking about depression raises that when people actually talk about something it becomes a lot more real to them Mm. that like Mm. oh now other people know this too it's not just me and then if they don't get proper help or counsel then it's just it's just that much worse you know because it's like like this continued I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. If they don't get the proper help. Right, and that's that's kind of where I was trying to get to. Like, talking about it has made it become an identity thing. And I think that's what I mean by the pitfall of talking about it so much, is that we talk, like, it's really good to talk about it. I'm not saying that it's bad at all. It's amazing to talk about it. We should. I love open discussion about it. 
But if you don't have the conversation in the correct manner, which most of the world doesn't because they don't have Christ, mm-hmm. then you get a lot of um, like wrong input on it, and then it becomes an identity thing where it's like, yeah, oh, it's you're like, like the majority right now would probably say, oh, you're just a depressed college student, and so then someone enters college and they think, well, this is just my plot, like this is just my the cards I was dealt, and I'm yeah. going to be a depressed college student. It's like, no, you can be a very driven and happy and entrepreneurial college student. Like you can. I think it's the narrative that society wrote and talking about it so much has a negative impact. Okay. I think also on that, that suicide, the more that it happens, the more normalized it is. So Absolutely. the bigger of an option it becomes for anyone who has any mm-hmm. type of that thought. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, so many people do this all the time. I yeah. can do it too. Twenty One Pilots wrote a song about this called Neon Gravestones. And it's about how we glorify um, people who kill themselves and we, we sort of vilify, like, celebrities who do it. And when we, um, like, sort of glory the, like, kids and people who do it, like, saying, oh, they were so awesome. And, like, I never thought they would do this. And we sort of, like, raise them up on a pedestal and, like, yeah. celebrate them once they're dead. And people see, oh, whoa, like, like if I die, like, I won't be shamed. Like, if I kill myself, like, I'm going to be celebrated. People are going to remember me, like, so well. Like, I'm going to end my suffering and, like, be remembered well. And, right. then, and then for just like according to the song and for a lot of celebrities like why would you kill yourself like you have everything like how could you do that it's very interesting yeah and I think that's just human nature to take people who are in higher views of society and hold them to a higher standard and expect more from them mm-hmm. you know but yeah also I think because maybe people don't get the attention that they desire as much mm-hmm. when they see someone getting celebrated for suicide they're like oh that's where that can get the attention yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. So, what do you think is the source? You know, the source for this increased suicide rate or like rates in depression and anxiety have gone up as well. I can look up the statistics on that in a second. Um, what do you think about those? Like, what what is the source of this? Who? Like, is it or addition? a couple of sources? Yeah, is yeah. it like an addiction to sadness? Does it have like a demonic influence? Like, what are the sources? Is it phones? Right. Is it our culture being so separated? From a Christian worldview, I definitely think there's a lot of demonic influence in it. I don't think it's 100% always demonic influence, but I think that it's definitely there because it's not leading to life and godliness, you know? And so I think it's, yeah, definitely that source also could be like technology like we talked about. There's, There's a lot of ways to go. Ellie, what do you think? Um, yeah, like I said a little bit earlier, I think that at, like, the core of it, it really is a sin issue, and when I say sin, I really mean evil, like, it's in, this world's fallen, and so it's an, it's an issue with evil at the core of it, and I would say that depression is, it's a product of pride at its core, Hmm. and that when we believe when we have a, a worldview or a perspective that I am the center of my world and like I am constantly thinking of like what's best for me or what I need or what are my needs that aren't being met, depression I would say is a natural outcome of that perspective mm. because that's not what you were created for. That's not what 
that's not the way that we were meant to function or to view the world and that we're never going to be satisfied if we're only seeking out our own needs and our own desires so so we're like bound to at one point in our life feel some sort of hopelessness or helplessness even if we're christians and following jesus because we can still have an incorrect or untruthful perspective that we just don't realize we have you know we can say Yes, I follow Jesus with my whole heart and I surrender my life to him. But the perspective that we're living out of that maybe we don't consciously recognize is still centered completely around ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to pursue Jesus at the same time really pursuing what's best for us. Right. Would you say cultures that have less of an individualistic society um, would have less depression? Ooh, that's interesting. So, say a culture like uh, a lot of Asian cultures, like the whole family lives together, and it's yeah. more about like the family, um, very community minded. Yeah, and less about the individual. No, not at all. I wouldn't say that they have less depression because I would say that those people at their core are still. Um, but wouldn't that make life like less about you? And more I think about, like the family. No, I would disagree with you, actually. I think that it wouldn't make it less about you and more about the family because you're striving. For the family to have acceptance from the family. You know what I'm saying? And so it's still about you. I think the only area I disagree in is that in more community-based cultures, the thinking isn't what's best for me. The thinking is what's best for the community around me. So you're, all your decisions are being filtered through this serving others mindset. And I think because of that, like yeah. everyone else is also having that mindset like your needs are being met so you don't think too much about them you think about meeting other people's needs does that make sense so you would say that that would cause less depression I think so I disagree because Japan is an excellent example of a community based culture where it's about but the community it's about honor and shame and they have one of the highest suicide rates as a country yeah that's true they have a lot yeah. of other problems too though yeah that I think are causing or are helping with the increased depression that we can also talk about. Like within Japan? Yeah. They have a very, like a lot of similarities to um, just the Western world. They are westernized. Right. And they're like one of the leaders. Very in, modern. Yeah, in westernized countries. And so when you look at a lot of depression, anxiety, and suicide research, um, most all of it is done by the U.S., Japan, and, um, and Europe. Yeah. Those are like the three, at least in the research I've done, leaders in, in people who study depression and, and anxiety and how to fix it and what the causes are. Because yeah. like when, when I think of community-based cultures, I'm thinking more of the developing nations, like the villages I've been in, in Thailand and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I, maybe they're depressed and they're just hiding it very well. Mm-hmm. But like I, I don't know, maybe it's just a simple lifestyle that makes... Tell anybody. <laughs> maybe it's just a simple lifestyle that I believe... And not necessarily, like, the community mindset, but just the simplicity mm-hmm. of their life. Like, it's not... Yeah. Because they don't have technology. Because they're not... Like, they have their hundred people in their village that they know, and that's all I know until they die. Uh-huh. So they have, like, the safety and the freedom emotionally to, like, just release or, like, to, to relax because they know these people and have known them for decades and their families have known them for decades and generations. Uh-huh. And then... But in our interconnected society... You go to like a city of a million people, you kind of got to be on guard all the time because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Allie, I think I would um, agree in 
principle with you that it's like a sin issue. Um, but I don't think I would tell someone who like, like say a lady or a, a girl like gets raped at like the age of six and then like gains a hundred pounds so that no man will ever give her like a sexual advance again and then becomes depressed because society won't accept her and she has this like thing from her past that she doesn't want to ever talk about um, and it's affecting her every day and the way she lives her life and who she interacts with um, and is very depressed about that. I wouldn't say like say to her, you have a sin issue, like you need to repent. I well, she, try, I well, she clarified sin is just evil also. Right. Like, the fallen nature. I tried to work with her trauma before I, like, I think confronted her about, like, her sin problem. Yeah, I completely agree. I wasn't talking about how to confront someone about no, their depression. I was talking about the the source of depression. Okay, okay. yeah, I guess. Cool. Let's talk about our society then and, like, what things we think are influencing our society to be more depressed. So that would be, like... Our culture, phones, how separated we are, like uh, all the different like new technologies we have, right. the way, even the way um, our businesses are constructed, the amount of control and individualism there is in business, um, and the way business is structured, I think has a large like thing mm. to play in it. Interesting. And I can talk about it later, unless you guys have opinions yeah. on that. Well, even as we're talking about like what in our society is that, I think part of it could be like our political atmosphere right now because it's such an extreme environment it's very hostile at least mm-hmm. what the media portrays it is mm-hmm. so I think for someone growing up they could try like I think everyone internally is looking for a place to find peace and rest and just relax yeah and like kids growing up nowadays are on social media and they're like seeing all these political posts from a very young age about like name calling and like tearing down of others characters and like the left attacking Trump and the right attacking the left and whatnot and going back and forth uh-huh. and I think that can play into where they're like oh my gosh there's so much going on and like there's so much tension I don't know what to do and so it feeds into like them feeling alone because maybe at this point in their life they're not ready to say one or the other mm-hmm. does that make sense? yeah that's just one thought yeah it's definitely a possibility you have any thoughts Allie? I can go yeah ready. you go ahead okay so I'm gonna kind of spitball like my non-complete idea of what I think it is, okay? So, I think this. I think that we have a culture that's separated people by um, using their phones so they get to compare themselves to the most beautiful, most successful people every day. And then also they don't interact with a lot of people anymore because they can isolate themselves from the amount of technology we have while staying sort of in the loop with everything that's going on because of technology, right? And at the same time... um, we have all of that like weighing down on kids and then we have the way business is structured where it's not I get to own something with other people and work toward the goal that we want to do it's I go work for this corporation and I'm like achieving other people's goals and I never get to see like um, like a dream finished or achieve right. something right I just do the same thing every day and I hate my job and I hate my life does that make sense? no I'm better so, so I think both of these things compiled is I'm judging myself every day and isolating myself, and then I'm also isolated at work and hate what I do, and then when I get home, and the like four hours of free time I have before I go to bed, I'm so sad and isolated about all the rest of my life, I'm just going to choose to eat junk food to be like the only thing that um, like gives me joy, and it's like the only pleasure I have. Um, I don't have time to work out um, and also sustain like any like form of pleasure, so I'm just going to get fat because, or be at least be unhealthy by all the food I eat. Um, it's terrible for me, which is, like, my only source of escape, which I'm not saying is bad. Like, 
You need a source of escape if you're that sad. And so that becomes my source of escape, which makes me more unhealthy, which makes me more sad. And it's just a spiral. Like, all of these things right. are working against you. And then you get... 20 years down the road and you're not going to change your like career path because you've been doing this forever and you feel so isolated because you haven't worked on any of your friendships and all that kind of stuff and then you're also you feel like you can never get back to the health goals you have because you're so far gone in like the lifestyle you've created for yourself and you just feel hopeless does that make sense? yeah so that's why I think it is an uh, culture yeah I think this the thing like the circumstances spiraling out of control is a really big thing that plays into it mm-hmm. and it reminds me of a song by that artist Belief and so the song called Depressed oh, yeah. and it says I do it because I'm depressed I'm depressed because yeah. I do it Yeah. right and it's just that like that never ending spiral of like I'm living my life this way <clears throat> because I'm feeling this way internally mm-hmm. but the only reason I'm feeling this way internally is because I'm not dealing with a thing or like changing things or making changes and that's and yeah and then I think it's a, it gets to the point where you just take that as your lot and you just live your life like that and you mm-hmm. think this whatever I'll just do this until I die and it's kind of it's actually not kind of it is depressing to think about that people live like that because I'm so about like bringing hope to people and like bringing like like showing them like no you don't have to stay there like you don't you don't need to do that like, you can make changes like you can mm-hmm. like little changes can lead to big changes and small disciplines lead to big disciplines yeah so and I definitely think there's like definitely traumas in the past like you're talking about but man I think if people could really grasp the idea that like you're not an anomaly like no one's I don't think anyone in the world is really not in an anomaly if that makes sense it's just mm-hmm. like like you're not someone you're not incapable mm-hmm. like you are very capable of making changes and, and getting control it's hard though it's yeah and that's the thing I don't I was about to say that like it's going to be a battle and the good things don't come easy usually yeah. right and so it's like it's gonna be hard. It's gonna take time. So there's gonna be speed bumps, but you gotta like want it, man. You gotta really want it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ali? Do you have any thoughts? Um. Yeah, I agree with you, Ethan, about wanting to share hope with people and like really wanting to show them a better way, which really is Jesus. Jesus really is the better way. And I think that there are so many things in our society that can like have a play or have a force into people being depressed and inspiring depression and creating depression in people. But at the same time, I think that as Christians, we shouldn't, if, if our eyes are on Jesus and if our eyes are on the kingdom, we shouldn't be falling into depression. And I, I don't mean to say that we shouldn't be affected by depression, but we shouldn't be falling into depression. Yeah, I agree. So I'll share a story in high school. I was severely depressed, um, just laid in bed every single day and didn't want to talk to people. Basically, it got to the point where like, I just didn't want to exist, not necessarily die because I didn't want to meet God, but I just <laughs> didn't want to exist at all. And, um, and yeah, I can confident, confident, confidently say that I was addicted to that emotion of sadness. So I think like that's, that's definitely a part that plays in it, that once you get down to a low place like that, it just becomes this addiction of, like, that feeling that um, that sparks and the thoughts that spark, that just becomes an identity and who you are. And honestly, feeling like I'm depressed, and that's just the way that I am. And um, a friend of mine said one day, I don't understand why people are depressed. They just need to choose joy. And I remember thinking that he was just, like, the biggest idiot ever. Just, I'm like, just well, do it. This guy has obviously never been depressed before. And, um, but now, 
I would honestly say that I agree with him in a certain aspect because getting out of depression for me was really understanding that, you know, if I feel like life is purposeless, if I feel like I'm worthless, if I feel like everything sucks, then I need to seek out and find out if that's actually true or not. Because I'm a firm believer that we shouldn't be living by things in our life that aren't actually true. Yeah. And so that's, you know, what I did, went and sought out, what do I actually believe about the world, about God, about myself? And if you can confidently say that you believe there is a God, that Jesus is God, and that he can save you from your sins and give you eternal life out of your repentance and faith in him, then then you need to figure out a way to actually live that out in your life. And depression really isn't a part of that equation. You know, it's it's said time and time again when Jesus speaks that he says, you know, lose your life and I will give you life. Uh, Paul speaks and says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And in Revelation, it says they didn't love their lives even unto death. Like these things about not loving our lives, not valuing our own lives, but valuing Jesus more. And I think that in, in depression, you're honestly valuing yourself more than Jesus and more than the people around you because of the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I don't think that depression itself is sin, the emotion of depression. I don't mm-hmm. think that sadness is sin or anger or joy or happy. like I don't think any of the emotions that we have are sin, but I think what we choose to do with those emotions can become sin. Okay, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And when you say like like the Bible we quote the Bible verse that said they didn't would you say that they don't love their lives until... Even unto death. Even unto death. And you're, like, saying, like, lose your life in Christ and, and you'll find it. That's not to say, like... And I think that, like, just... It's putting trust in Jesus, right? It's saying, God, I trust you to take care of me. I'm not going to try to, like, do it my way anymore. Mm-hmm. And... I would, I would go so far as to say it's saying, my life literally doesn't matter. Jesus, right. you matter. Yeah. So not saying, I trust you to take care of me and meet my needs, because that can be translated into, I trust you to... Like, buy me a house and all the brand new shoes and stuff like that. I think it it means, Jesus, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm for it. And I will be joyful and content in it. Mm -hmm. And that's even goes back to, like, I think, I don't know if you quoted it, but it said, uh, Jesus says, like, um, like, pick up, like, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Right? It's like, it's this aspect of you considering yourself already dead so God can tell you to do whatever and go wherever. And you're going to do it because you're like, well, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. And, yeah. and I have to obey Christ because I've made that commitment. And that I think that idea, that, that mindset is what's so hard to grasp in our individualistic, mm-hmm. like, American mindset. Because like, our mindset is all about us and what yeah. we need. And how and dare you want. tell me what to do. Yeah, right? my rights. Where, and I know for people who haven't maybe contemplated this thought before or really, really meditated on or thought about it in their own life and what, what it would actually look like, it might sound dreadful (laughs) you know it might sound terrible but to be honest it freed me from depression you know it freed me from from thinking that life is meaningless because I finally understood what life is actually all about it's about Jesus's love it's about his redemptive story it's about people coming to know him you know it's about abiding in his love and not having to worry about ourselves all the time you know, right. I don't think that weakness is even a bad thing because when we admit our weakness, then we become stronger in Jesus yeah. and yeah. he's our strength. Yeah. So it's a, it completely flips what the world says and like the world's wisdom on its back. But yeah. And isn't that so classic of God to do that too? Like, yeah, like the world, like the Bible says, like the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. And like the way we try to do things is not the way 
God will try to do things. So it's not, that's why I say we handle depression the wrong way. It's not about giving medicine and going on your merry way. It's about, like, you have depression and you say, man, this is not what God created for me for. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know that. Like, yeah. The scripture speaks to that, like how there's fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. And like, yeah. that like God is a good father. He's a good God who desires to give us, like the Bible says, he's given us everything for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. But we only get that everything yeah. if we give him everything, which is mean yeah. we give up our lives. We mm-hmm. we become under service to him. And you're like, hey, whatever you tell me, you want me to live in the jungle in, in, the, in South America for the rest of my life, I'll do that. Because yeah. I know there's fulfillment in you. And like... And it makes sense knowing that like God created us, and if we're in service to God, He's going to be able to fulfill us. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think so. Yes, yes, Derry. I totally agree that society, business, media, all of these things have an effect on why depression is raising and mm-hmm. why we have depression at all, and all of that. But I think that if we if we are suffering with depression ourselves, if we just deal with those surface level things alone, we're never actually we're never going to be restored. I totally agree. We need to deal with with the heart issue of, <laughs> am I being prideful? Am I only thinking about myself? Or am I placing Jesus as my highest priority in life? Mm-hmm. So before we talk about more of like the solution, um, let's talk about a couple of different like nitty-gritty things. About, like, the, like questions about yeah, it? Questions about depression, suicide, anxiety, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So the first one is that we've gotten is, if you kill yourself and you're a Christian, a born-again Christian, will you go to heaven still? What do you guys think? I think you will. I have struggled with this question for many years and just recently have come to the conclusion that I don't think Christians who commit suicide go to hell. I think that's a wrong understanding of it because because at least, well, I'll, I'll give my reasoning why once I know your guys' answers. Too far into it. What's that? Too far into it. No, no, I don't care. I'm not really concerned with hurting your feelings. I just maybe you guys agree with me. I'm just going to say, like, preach it to the choir, right? Barry, what do you think? Do you disagree with him? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are both like that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I. I disagree with him. I don't fully agree with you, but I don't disagree with you. I just don't see any evidence that you would go to hell if you killed yourself. Like, That's because there is none. I don't see. I don't see any scripture in the Bible that would talk about there being some sort of sin that can separate you from God besides that unforgivable sin, which we can talk about. Which but is, I don't think that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Right. That's not killing yourself. Right. And we can talk about what that is later, um, or what people think that is, but I don't think it's killing yourself. Right. So, which I I think would mean that you would be in heaven. But hey, who knows? Unless you try. Don't try it. Don't try it. That's not what we're saying. So the reason I think you would go to heaven and not go to hell is because that's well, that's a that's a stupid thought process. One, if you understand, like scripture, right? Like, like you will not because that's like saying because they say, oh, it's murder, right? Like, it's like you're murdering yourself, and that's a sin. Okay, so if I lie and then someone shoots me in the head, am I going to hell because I didn't have time to repent for that? Mm -hmm. Right. Or if, like, out of anger, I cuss someone out and then crash my car and die. Yeah, it's situational grace, right? Right. And so to say, like, oh, you go to hell, it's like, why? Are you going to say because it's sin? Because now you've made it more works-based and not grace-based. And we're saved through grace and we're, like, in Christ, mm-hmm. right? And, and Romans talks about how, and I think it's Romans, I think I have it right here, Romans 8, um, what do you call it, 31 to 39, 
I don't have the actual scripture in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it talks about how nothing will separate us from the love of God. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, like, depression's a very serious thing. It's something a lot of people struggle with for a long time. And sometimes it gets to the point, like, that, like this last, this pastor, right? I'm not going to comment on, like, because there's a lot of people making a lot of comments. I don't know the situation. I don't know the family. I don't. So it's foolish of me to say anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say he's in hell because I don't know. And I don't, I don't believe that makes you, I don't believe that sends you to hell. Yeah. Because... That's saying God's forgiveness of your sins is not enough for suicide. And you don't go to hell necessarily for your sins anymore. You go to hell for how you respond to Jesus' sacrifice, mm-hmm. which is another conversation. Yeah. So I don't think you would go to heaven. Or I, I, mean, I don't think you would go to hell. I just think it grieves God's heart because like you, because God loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to experience fullness of joy in this earth. And as a Christian, if you commit suicide, that means you did it. And and you lost the battle with suicide. It's really sad, but I don't think it sends you to hell. I think that's just an insensitive answer. Allie? <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, that's, I think that's a hard question because, because only God can, like, see people's hearts and yeah. know what's in their heart. And so if someone, the reason I'm hesitant to agree with you is because people can be living and portraying as if they're Christian and not actually know Jesus. Yeah. But and that goes for more than people who just commit suicide, though. But that's what we're talking about is that, yeah, I agree with you. But talking about suicide in the question is if you're a Christian, you commit suicide, will you go to heaven? And I, I would be hesitant to just say yes, of course, because of people's so many different definitions of what Christian actually is. And so I would say that if you, I don't know, that's, it's a really hard question and I really don't want to be offensive at all because, but I think that if you are genuinely following Jesus and you commit suicide, it is highly unlikely that you would go to hell. But I also think that it is highly unlikely that you would commit suicide. Yeah, I agree. I think. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, but I know a lot of genuine Christians that are also super depressed. Like I have, like pastors at my church that are depressed, and I know they're they've been Christians their whole life. Yeah, and I think it's something that it's a effect of the human condition that we have to wrestle with. Like, there's parts you can sometimes see where Paul seems like he's in depressed. He's depressed, right? Yeah. It's like I'm in unceasing anguish, mm-hmm. right? And it's like that sounds. Like depression, sometimes, right? And I think David at times was depressed, and that that's where it goes back to like depression isn't like a state of being that you have to be in. I think it's just it, it's mm-hmm. things that happen that you go through, and then you need to deal with that. But I don't think you have to stay there. Yeah, I think it's easy to get stuck and feel trapped and not know how to get out of it. So for a Christian, like I think we can say a lot of the easy things, like solutions to them, but it's really hard when you're in it yourself to like figure out a way out of it. Right. Like, it's a struggle. Like, it was a struggle for you, and it was a process to figure out, like, how to just get out of it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to say about that, or should we go to our next question? Um, nope. Nothing I got to say. All right. Wait, real quick, I do something to say. Okay. When, to our listeners and to us, when we're posed with this question, don't brush it off and make it a simple thing. It's, it's a very serious thing, you know? Yeah. And, like, I think that's, like, 
Because I think it's very easy for Christians to either be like, yeah, they, they're going to heaven, or no, they're not, because of this. Like, but no, like, this is not something we should brush over and move past so quickly when it happens in real life, you know? Like, yeah. Like, it's like almost three years ago, I think in the next couple months, it'll be three years ago, and like someone from my high school committed suicide, and he was in the Marines. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy, because he was one of like the first people that talked to me at the school I went to. It was insane. Wow. And like, I haven't talked to him, I didn't talk to him for years, but I felt that, and I was like, man, that's like, it's a tough thing to deal with. Yeah. And so it would be really messed up and insensitive to just brush it on the rug and be like, yeah. whatever this, yada, yada, yada. And so mm-hmm. I, th- I think overall Christians just need to be more sensitive and yeah. biblical about it all. I agree. I totally agree. I think that it's such a serious topic. And honestly, that like I hesitate to even comment on that because I think that we just have no place to even to even know that because of the fact that God is the one who knows each individual person and mm-hmm. what they're going through and where their heart's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so before we go to talking about the solution in its entirety, let's talk about mental illness in leadership. I said that incorrectly. You want to try again? Mental illness in mental leadership. Illness. So we're talking about Christian leaders, not just anybody in leadership, but Christian leaders such as pastors or leaders of ministries and stuff like that who have full-blown depression or anxiety that's crippling and diagnosed, not they're just sad because something bad happened. Like crippling anxiety, like they're not getting out of bed for weeks or like days? Um, the severity is different, I think, person by person, but just diagnosed depression. Can they be leaders? Or should they be leaders? Yeah. So like, what do we do about someone... Okay, so here I'll give you an example. Okay. okay. Fake example. Okay. So say there's a pastor of this church. Church... Like needs him because he's a pastor. Yeah. Um, and we can say there was a couple other pastors there too, but he's like the speaking pastor, and say so he gets depression, right? Okay. I don't know why he gets depression, but he just does. Okay. Um, do you think this person should stay in that position of leadership as the speaking pastor of this church, um, or do you think he should be like what? What are the options for him? Okay. Right. Should he be let go? Should he go on some kind of sabbatical to like deal with it? If he can't deal with it, should he be able to keep his job as the like speaking pastor? What do you guys think? I don't see a reason to strip him of the position mm-hmm. or her of the position of leadership just because of dealing with the, or going through depression and working through that. Mm-hmm. I do think if there so if there's a, a situation a scenario that happens that sparks that they should take a sabbatical and like deal with it wrestle with it give it to the lord seek counseling on it like and take the time to really like like pursue like to, like for instance like say this hypothetical pastor that we're talking about has sons like in a car accident and die yeah right and now he's like that that starts like a cycle of depression for x number of years yeah like that moment he should take time off mm-hmm. he of i don't think he is emotionally healthy to lead the church and it'd be crazy uh, if he didn't right like he need and that should, the community should be okay with that like yeah, yeah go like we want you to like stay healthy so like yeah like go do this but i think if they're taking actions and taking steps to fight it and they're constantly like giving it to the lord and they're doing things to move past it then they're okay but i think if it's a pastor and they're not willing to deal with it or like they're not giving it their all to try to fight it then i don't know if i would want to be under the leadership not saying they can't be in it. I would just choose to not subject myself to that leadership mm-hmm. because if they're being apathetic towards something that is that has the ability to kill their spiritual life and their real life, mm-hmm. that's concerning to me. Yeah. 
I would say they should just step down from leadership if they can't deal with it. So if they go on a sabbatical and they can't figure out the problem or get better, depending on how long that sabbatical is, say it's like six months or a year or something like that, and they can't they can't seem to figure out like the option, they should step down, in my opinion, from leadership because I don't think you would be fit to do your job, right? Just like if I like lost my hands and I was a welder, like unless I go off my feet, like I am unable to do my job anymore. And if I can't get like any fixes for like that, I just can't do my job. Yeah. Right? And so if I'm paying someone and God's put them in this position and they can't do the thing God has them do anymore, they're obviously not getting better. They need to be in a place where they can get better. Um, and that doesn't seem like, in my opinion, the place that's healthiest where they're in charge of leading other people to right. be more like Christ. Right. Right. So that would be, I think, my opinion, but it's also really hard to say. Like, it would be so hard for me if, like, my pastor got depressed. I was like, you should probably step down after, like, a year. Because, like, I love my pastor and I love, like, everything about him. I don't want him to stop being my pastor. You know what I mean? Right. So it would be very hard. I think that, um, like, any Christian leadership, their role and what they're committing to is to serving all of the people that they're in mm-hmm. leadership over. So... If they have depression and aren't able to deal with it, like, openly and well and, like, progressively getting better or, like, choosing, you know, to do that, and then it's a struggle, like, if they don't step down from leadership themselves, mm-hmm. I think the fact the fact that they don't step down from leadership themselves is enough to say, hey, I think you should... Yeah. Step down. Because if they're really there to serve their congregation, then they would know I'm not at my best to serve the congregation. Right. Yeah, I agree. And it almost goes back to like that pride thing where it's like, I, yeah. it's like I experience a shame for this depression and I'm at a point where I'm facing pride to the point I don't want to bring it up. Yeah. Right? And that is another thing to talk about. Like, like the Bible talks about there's no shame for those who aren't Christ anymore. Right? So if that person's feeling that, they need to recognize that they don't have to feel shame and that there is grace. Mm-hmm. But I also need to be humble enough to say, I need to take care of myself so I can take care of the flock. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a Christian term for the congregation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like you, you said, like, for the sake of the congregation and the members and serving them well and leading them in godliness, they should step down until they can figure out what's going on and, and mend that and heal that. Because that's going to be a great example for the congregation whenever they're facing things, right? So when the congregation is going through spells of depression and they see their pastor, who also is going through spells of depression, like take it seriously and step down and seek the help they need, then all the all the followers are going to do the same thing. When and it's a great example, you know, it's not the pastor's not brushing it under the rug, pretending it's not a big thing, and then thus the congregation isn't either. Yeah. You know? So then I think it creates a healthy um, community, I guess, mindset around it. I also think that, like, one of the best ways we learn how to follow Jesus is by watching someone else follow Jesus really well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that using Paul as an example, who probably went through hundreds of worse things than any pastor in America, you know, oh, yeah. if we're just generalizing, um, probably <laughs> went through the emotions of of the what-ifs and of the... What, what am I doing here and blah 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 mm-hmm. but he constantly and consistently chose to look on the joy of eternity and look on the joy of Jesus Christ instead and sh- 
shared that with the churches that he was ministering to, that he is choosing contentment. And I think that if a pastor is able to do that in a healthy and godly way, then that's the best thing for his congregation so that they can they can see how do I walk through really hard struggles emotionally, physically, and still keep my eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Yeah, sounds like we're all on the same page with that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the very last thing. We're going to end the podcast. Let's talk about the solution. What we think needs to be done or we can do or society needs to do to fix the increasing depression, anxiety, and yeah. suicide. Well, right off the bat, because all of us here are Christians and we believe that God is real and that the Bible is true, mm-hmm. I think, honestly, Christians need to have healthy, open conversation around this and lead the charge yeah. in getting better. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit on our side, we have the God who loves everyone on our side, and we have spiritual wisdom and insights into it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Christians need to get very serious about it and figure out how to deal with it and talk about the joy of the Lord, right? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like in our life practically? How can we practically figure out the joy of the Lord? And I think a lot of it falls into obedience to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, if we're going to be very serious about it, we need to seriously obey Christ and look at what he said and like really like get super serious about being intimate with Christ and knowing who he is and really recognizing the unique relationship that we can have with Jesus, that the creator of the universe wants to know us and we can always pray to him and he's a good father that listens and he wants to heal us and help us right mm-hmm. and so if we see that and we take it at face value and say yes like this is who god is and then we go on to share that with other people right it's called the good news for a reason mm-hmm. it restores our souls and so i think if we like submit ourselves to the good news and really take seriously deny ourselves pick up our cross and following jesus and yeah. take that super seriously and then to do it like sharing that with others in, in evangelism or, or however like, I think that would be huge for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And once Christians really understand what the joy of the Lord is. And that, that's, a, that's also a process. That's going to take training and, and whatnot, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you asked a few different questions. So society, what society can do, what we could do. Mm-hmm. Whichever one you want, or like what I, what the church could do, like whatever you think is the best, or even several different like options for a solution for everybody that's dealing with this. Yeah, I agree with Ethan that as a church, we should definitely be leading the way in like overcoming depression because it is it is a result of sin in the fallen world and that as Christians, we should be overcomers of everything in that realm. You know, we should be triumphant over those things, living in victory. And so we should also be sharing that with others. But I think that the church is just as affected by depression as the rest of society today. And so we would, I think, first need to, like you're saying, Ethan, that pastors and ministers and people in leadership and even just congregations of the churches should be speaking about it more openly and also preaching the gospel in a more serious way that mm-hmm. being a Christian is taking up your cross. It's not just a free ticket into heaven. It's yeah. not just self-help books. And it's not about you, honestly. Yep. It's about Jesus. It's about God. And you're coming in line with his plan, not him coming in line with your plan. Yep. And if we preach the true gospel in a way that is discipling people in our churches, then they will be confident and equipped to go disciple people in society. You know, and that includes showing them a way out of depression. Yeah. I think that's awesome. 
I think that's perfect. Um, I would say there are many things, like just for my answer, that there are many things we could do as individuals and as a society to help alleviate some of the burden and create some better environments mm -hmm. to um, not see depression and anxiety in the youth and in anybody. Um, but I think exactly what you said is going to be the only constant for everybody because everything is going to be case by case, yeah. but everybody needs the Holy Spirit and yeah. Jesus Christ to, to be this, right? Um, we could talk about like your eating habits or how much you exercise or um, what abuse or trauma you've been through or how much therapy you've been to um, or who's hurt you and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but everybody's going to have a different problem and a lot of people have different causes and reasons for anxiety and the depression. But no matter what, Jesus Christ is going to be your answer 100% of the time yeah. for, for this problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you walk in the Spirit, like, man, everything is going to be so much easier for you. Because if you believe in God, you have the God that created everything, who knows everything about depression and anxiety, on your side, in your ear, able to talk to you and help you out. Through and he wants to. Have. Yeah, and he absolutely wants to. He's like the most for you out of anything or anybody you could ever know. Right, so he can always help you out with with anything you could ever need help with, um, and he cares about you so much. So I would say that's going to be the constant thing that's going to can help anybody is you knowing how big God is and how true the gospel is and how not about you, how much not about you it is, yeah. and then accepting it and living it out daily instead of just like saying you believe it. Right. Yeah, I would say that that would be my solution. Yeah. We could talk, I think, for hours, and people do talk for hours about the societal and personal solutions people can oh, make. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the one thing we can kind of strive to do is maybe be on our phones less and judge ourselves based off of other people a little less as well, which is also a sin issue. Yeah. Um, try to be more connected. Try to put our phones down and, and have deep connections with other people. Tell other people we care, and that have them uh, say they care back. Um, one thing, a statistic that I heard was, um, man, I don't remember how many years ago, because um, I was listening to a podcast and they said this, uh, but it was like several years ago, like 20 or something like that, mm -hmm. um, they asked people a question, psychologists did, and they said, how many close friends do you have that you could run to in a time of crisis and you can share your problems with? And they said five was like the average number of close friends that they could run to. Um, and today... They asked that same question to people, and they said zero. So zero wasn't, wasn't the highest one that was recorded, but it was um, the mean. Like, it was the, uh, the average yeah. that everybody gave. But zero people they can talk to in their time of crisis. Which is crazy. Like, that's not, I know that's not my life. Yeah, I have lots of people crazy. I can talk to in, like, crisis, yeah. right? But the, the, the fact that our society, um, as a mean, says that they're, they can't talk to anybody about, like, the crisis that they go through means we're so isolated and yeah. that, that could definitely be a thing that could I think not super easily but could be addressed yeah I think also just in people's personal life one exercise and health like discipline yeah diet mm -hmm. huge right giant also get out in nature you know go for a hike yeah like go see the world I think it's really easy to be depressed when you're always in this concrete jungle of mm -hmm. the city when you're like all you see is bricks and it's like, I don't know, just when we drive past Waikiki or we drive past Hon downtown Honolulu, I just look at how bland the buildings look and I get like mm -hmm. so bored just looking at it. And I just look across the other side of the highway and there's like these deep valleys with these amazing mountain ranges. I'm like, that's, that is where I know like 
you're going to find peace, you know. Like, you go out in nature and just a day hiking, or, like, we did a sunrise hike today with the, with the students. Man, like, you just see that, and it takes your breath away, and you're, like, mm-hmm. just blown away by the awesomeness of nature. I think that would be really helpful in fighting depression because you're like, wow, like the world's so much bigger than I know and it's so much more beautiful than I know. Mm-hmm. And you just become grateful. Yeah. And for people listening that think we're idiots for suggesting that like discipline and stuff like that could help you uh, relieve your depression. Discipline is freedom. Yeah. Discipline is freedom. And there's this thing called the Hamilton scale um, that measures the things that help you alleviate your depression, right? And so, uh, for instance, taking antidepressants, uh, the drug form of antidepressant, right, um, would be a one or even less than a one on that scale. And the scale is between one and six and things that help you, right? And you're trying to score as high as you can as being a healthy person to alleviate your depression, right? And so that would be a one, whereas getting a full night's sleep would be three points, right? So a one versus a three, like getting a a full night of sleep is going to do you a lot more than like taking antidepressant well and I also believe that uh, working out and living a healthy lifestyle like eating and stuff like that is a 2 or a 3 as well on that scale if not higher so there are many many things that scientifically will help your depression um, much more than taking antidepressants will right yeah yeah so it's it's absolutely scientific and legitimate that being disciplined living a healthy lifestyle um, living in community and having people around you um that want to help you will absolutely help you with your depression and your anxiety. Yeah. And I think what we can take away from this part of the solution is like, there is hope. You know, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with depression, you're not alone. You're not a hopeless case. There is hope. There is things that you can do to get out of depression. And if you need to seek help, seek help. You need to tell people, tell people, you know, God cares about you getting out of depression way more than you do. And if you care a lot, imagine how much more God does, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, run to the gospel, run to Jesus, and, and see how to how to do that, right? Like, he says, like, cast your cares on me, for my burden is easy, and something my yoke is light. Like, One yeah. of those, that, that verse. Yeah. You got right? It right. And, like, there is hope, and, and there is a way out of it. We've all, all three of us sitting here have gone through our little spells of depression, some worse than others, but, like, we've seen God come through and his promises reign true of deliverance. So spiritually there's hope and physically like see what you can do to start having disciplines, whether that's Mm -hmm. like turning off your phone at a certain time. Like I know one of the disciplines I started doing is like when I'm about to go to sleep, I will turn my phone on airplane mode Mm -hmm. because then I don't know what's going on in the world and then no one can get a hold of me. So if someone's like trying to talk to me late at night, I have no idea and I'm not distracted with that because I'm sleeping, and then because my phone's in airplane mode, I'm not distracted. I fall asleep, and I get a good amount of sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I don't turn my phone off airplane mode for the first part of my morning. You know, it's like cool. I have a sleep area surrounded by just me and my and, and Jesus, basically. Yeah. And then also, like, yeah, if you want to start working out, start walking a mile a day. Mm-hmm. That's um, like you can that that one mile a day walk will just cascade into greater things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think one thing that we didn't address that I wanted to talk about more. Um, that I don't know if we have time to go into is like the demonic influence on yeah. being depressed. Oh yeah. Um, and we talked to our base leader Spencer, and he said he doesn't think he's ever known anybody who's ever dealt with depression that it wasn't in some point like demonically influenced um, by that. And I know um, the only kind of spout of depression that I've dealt with was um, uh, brought on by oppression at the beginning, um, oppression like from uh, the devil. And 
So I think it has a lot to do with it. Would I say it happens every time? I think close to every time. Yeah. There is some sort of And it makes sense because the devil wants to kill you. Yeah, and destroy you. <laughs> so he's gonna, if he can, he's going to get shot. Yeah. That's true. Yep. So people are sometimes shocked. I'll tell them that, like, Satan hates you. And then oh, they're wow. like, they're like, like it's something you don't hear a lot. Like yeah. we all, we all like intellectually know it, but we don't talk about it. I'm like, guys, Satan actually hates you. He's trying to kill you. Yep. It's not a game. Yep. And it's people, not a game. People give me that look, like you're insane. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yep. Um, what can what can people do to fight that? Like the spiritual, spiritual side? force against yeah depression. I would say know your authority in Christ. Yep. Um, that is something that Jesus talks about. He says like all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he tells us, therefore, go do this, this, and this, and this. And part of what he talks about is taking down spiritual strongholds of, like, demonic influence. And the Bible comments on that in multiple ways. There's uh, that one verse where it says we don't fight our battles with humans, but of, like, principalities and and dominions of darkness in the air and whatnot. And then there's the part of your spiritual armor. What's it called? Armor of the Lord? What's that? The helmet of salvation and all those Sunday school teachings, like, they're real realities, you know? Yeah, like, they're in the Bible. Yeah, the belt, like, the belt is it's there. Yeah. And so taking these things, not as a metaphor, but, like, seeing how can I practically do this in my life, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, being real about it, like, okay, I got to put on my, I knowing my, the helmet of salvation, like, uh, and I know I'm saved in Christ. And, so, and then, like, all the breastplate of righteousness, like, what people see is righteousness. And, like, all, and you go through all of it, right? Yeah. But knowing that, and then also rebuking the enemy in your life where it's, like, if you feel depression coming on, you say, no, I, I, I bind and rebuke this in the name of Jesus. And I mm-hmm. claim that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And you, you just start, and you, this is the thing, you have to know your Bible. Like, yeah. you have to read your Bible so you can quote the Bible to yourself when those times are hard. Yeah. Like, and worship, like, also worship and prayer is huge. Like, I had, like, felt sick all day today. I had one worship song come out of my music that was on shuffle. And I sang that, and I physically felt better after worshiping. I was yeah. like, I should have done this earlier. And yeah. like, what the heck? But like I think like what? and heartfelt prayers too. Like if you read the Psalms, it's Ooh, okay to sound depressed in your prayers. Like there's parts where David was like, How long will you forsake me, O Lord, forever? Yep. Like you just you just told how long. It's like but he was going through some rough stuff. He was running for his life and he had some spells yeah. of depression and like to be honest with God with that, but also he says, But like at other parts he's like, I still trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, and to always come back to trusting God. But knowing your scriptures, worshiping and praying and then, like, and in that prayer, like, going against the enemy, I think it's huge. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to say, Allie? Yeah, I'd like to comment on that, too. Just the the thought of it being demonic depression. Oppression? Demonic mm-hmm. oppression? Yeah. yeah. Um, or demonic depression. <laughs> Demonically influenced Yeah. Um, is that I've heard a lot of... Christians say before, I have been depressed for so long and I keep praying and praying and praying that God will take my depression away and I still have it. And I think that that can be a case of, (laughs) I think that that can be um, misleading and misinformed. I agree. um, Because if it is demonic oppression, then Yes, use your authority in Christ to stand firm in who you are and your confidence in Jesus and your security in Jesus and your identity in Jesus. But I think that um, 1 Timothy 
Paul says that God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Mm-hmm. And that first one, power, is obviously like the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we can use that power against demonic oppression. But I also think there's another type of spiritual warfare of the spirit who's living in, in us and our flesh, who is us. It's our desires and our wants and what we think and believe. And I think that that's also spiritual warfare of going, um, going against the Holy Spirit within us. And so I think that the love and the self-control part, the self-control can be physical things like what the guys were talking about a little bit earlier. But I also think that we have to really take self-control of our thoughts and our mind and renewing our minds every day mm. and every moment and every in every thought that we need to take it captive and mm. have it surrendered to Christ. And so in that, that also means like, not giving into depression and thinking that God just has to take it away, but he's also yeah. given us free will and self-control. And so we need to work towards how do I get out of this depression? Yeah. It's so funny. Like we just pray to God to take away these things that like are not problems. They're like effects of problems in our lives that we need to take care of. Yeah. Like you said, right? Like God's given us authority so that when things like this happen, we can listen to the devil and say, no, like, like you're lying to me, I'm not gonna believe it. And then you're not waiting for God to like deliver you from anything. You've been delivered because of the power He has already given you to not believe the lie the enemy's trying to tell you in the first place. Yeah, it's like that uh, that video you sent me the other day about who was it? Um, Todd know. White's mentor, um, Dan Muller. He did uh, the flip it video. Dan Muller is Todd White's mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, currently, I don't know if currently. Because Dan Terry, was super... you look so happy about that. <laughs> no, but no, I'm gonna... so surprised. <laughs> He's surprised because Todd White is kind of. I guess that's yeah, really he was super passionate. Yeah, I think like early on, like Todd Dan Miller was Todd White's. I don't know now. Yeah. Anyways, Todd what White's... were you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, there's um. He says like, you know, he's like when the devil lies to you, it's actually not, or the devil speaks to you, it's not that bad actually because. Biblically, he's a liar. Yeah. So whatever he says, you just take it and flip it. Flip it. I mean, believe the opposite. You no, know, he tells you you're worthless. Well, that must be a lie. So you're definitely you have worth. Yeah. That's that's what the scripture says. Yep. He's like, oh, you're useless. Well, no, you, God has use for you. Right. You just take whatever he says and you flip it, and that's the truth. It actually helps you. It's amazing. Yeah. I did that. I, I forgot about that, but like I used to do that. Like, oh man, I don't think I can do this. And I'm like, wait. I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay. And then you go on your merry way, and then eventually Satan tries to stop doing that to you because he knows he's just going to... Every time he, help, he tells you something, it's just going to help you out. Yeah. <laughs> I also so think, funny. though, that we can't we can't be blaming everything on the devil. I think that a lot of the things are... No, are everything in my life is from the devil. <laughs> Every sin <laughs> in my life. Everything bad. The devil made me do it. When I'm stuck in traffic, demonic influence. <laughs> demonic influence. But, yeah, I think that's true even with thoughts that sometimes Imagine we have to think, take responsibility for our own thoughts. Oh, yeah. There's like, the th- I think there's like, there's three forms or three reasons why things go wrong in our life. It's like our own per- faults, like external, like people's or situations th- faults, mm-hmm. and like demonic, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of Christians are like everything's demonic. Where it's like, yep. I was late to work. There's a demon in my computer. Right? I was late to work because Satan sent someone to drive slow in front of me. No, you woke up late. That's <laughs> that's you. That person's old. But, there was a passing one. You didn't take it. <laughs> Talking about people who are old, completely off topic. What? I really think people who are old should have to take driver's lessons every like six months, and then eventually get their license removed. Oh, okay. I think that's already a thing. 
Not in Michigan, at least. And when you say old, you mean really old, right? I mean, like, if you're going, like... you can't like, see anymore. Kind you're of going, like, 10 miles under the speed limit. Also, I have... That's illegal. You, like, that's, like, legally... You can't yeah, do they, they do it. Or if you're going, like... I also think people with who drive slow don't deserve nice cars. <laughs> like, if you have a sports There's car... There's no way you can regulate it. I know. This is my own Is this an official podcast view on... This is an official view Peterson yeah. view. If you drive slow, you shouldn't buy fast cars. Don't, don't buy a Tesla if you're going five under. Yeah, it's always strange. I would always pass people in my 95 Toyota Corolla, and they're driving, like, muscle cars. I'm right. Like, Bro, why do you If you that? have a Mustang, and you're going 45 and a 55... Who are you? I want to physically fight you. <laughs> Get out of your car. We need to fight right now. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to talk about about this topic? Should we go to sleep? Well, we can't go to sleep just yet. We've got to do our jokes. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. But is, there, but is there anything else you want to talk about about this topic before we talk about our jokes? Um, final thoughts? Um, yeah. Just there's hope. You know? You're, yep. You're not alone. And you're going to make it. Yep. Just keep seeking Jesus. Yep. And try to be in community. And have put people around you that are going to influence you well. And for, I forgot to talk about this too. That I want to talk about. Like, don't spiral. Like, if you're feeling sad, don't go listen to some, like, yeah. lo-fi music that's going to make you sad. Or then watch a sad movie. And then decide to make some bad decisions and eat some bad food. And then just spiral into, like, more and more depression and start getting addicted to your sadness. You know, make some good choices. And in that, have accountability people who are yeah. going to be able to hold you. Because it's very hard to get out of spiral by yourself. Yep. Right, so make sure there's people around you who can help pull you out of that spiral if you see yourself in it. Yep. All right, we got to end this for two hours, dude. Yep. We can do we, it. We definitely started the podcast set. Like, but right before we hit record, we're like, eh, aim for an hour and a half. Aim for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, Did not happen. All right, what's your joke? Didn't I go first last time? Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Okay, this is my joke. Okay. A woman walks into the library and asks if they have any books on paranoia. The librarian says, they're right behind you. <laughs> Got him. All right. Here's mine. Parallel lines have so much in common. It's a shame they'll never meet. <laughs> All right. Alexandria. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I forgot to find a joke. I know that's... So you have to rude right now. of me. Just find one. How dare you come on our show and not I have know, a joke? I know. Just, just, we won't tell anybody you're Googling jokes right now. Just find a joke. <laughs> I won't tell everyone who's listening that oh, look, I gave I you a joke before joke we started. I from the other day. Shh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't Google them. <laughs> we came up with them. Find a joke. I'm not going to let everyone on the internet know that we provided a joke for you when you walked in. Okay. Um, I just thought of a really good joke. Yeah. So you're telling me this is pure original, definitely not looked up, all just created by your brain just now? No, I can't say that, honestly. I can't lie. I can't lie. <laughs> I can't lie. Um, anyways, did you hear about the mathematician who's afraid of negative numbers? I did not. Oh no, an ad popped up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he'll stop. At nothing to avoid that. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Alright. <laughs> okay. Well, thank right. you everybody for listening to this long podcast. Most of it was actually very substantial, I think. We talked yeah. for probably like an hour and 15 minutes about our main topic and depression and anxiety and stuff like that. If you made it all the way through here at this point, thank you so much for listening. We love you. 
Um, if you didn't make it this far, you won't be hearing this. So yeah, I wish you would listen. Tell all your friends about this podcast. Yes, and also we're we should probably just said at the beginning of the podcast, but we're going to be introducing timestamps, so you can just skip to the maybe parts you want to listen to. We'll put a timestamp, and then what we're talking about, and we'll probably put uh, two or three throughout the podcast, so you can listen to our different topics. Yeah, and eventually we're going to have video at some point. Yeah, probably the next week or two. We've been trying to figure that out. We just need a camera that works well enough for two hours. So if you love this podcast and you want to help support us, you can totally mail us a camera. <laughs> we will take that. Yes, yes, And you will. can trust that it will be used nicely. We should just take Ben's. No. And Hannah's. Anyways, <laughs> thank you, Allie, so much. Allie Pear for coming on our podcast and speaking with us for two hours. And I'll take this commitment. It's the first podcast ever. Yeah, thank you guys. It was fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Yes, it is. Alrighty. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good morning, wherever you are. Okay, bye.